yeah, because I'm ready whenever. And... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's the start. <laughs> and welcome to the new Whenever you want to go, mate. I'm easy, really. It's just, uh... <laughs> I'm still here. I, you lost. I think you lost me. It's like you were saying the, it was, you were talking about Eid, and then I lost you. Scripted. Boxing. He's gone again. <clears throat> he's back. No, he's gone. He's gone. Well, let me per- try and add him permanently. Yeah, let me try and add him in. Fucking hell! Terrible Wi-Fi. Podcast with me, Andy White, and with me today, Mr. Mike Theobald. Uh, I've got my bag of doom again. Oh, uh, yeah. Why do we Why do we always end up doing this the night before I'm working, but I can't join in? And as well, Mr. Uh, with us today as well is Mr. Terry Chapman Dharma. The band is back together. No, no, do the intro properly. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> So I can't touch anything now for about an hour or so. Oh, oh of course, of course. Oh, you observe Ramadan, didn't you? Uh, indeed, I do. Which is yeah, it's, it's just become my my one time in the year where I can just let the body do its running repairs and so forth. And I think it's been good because because all the gyms are shut, you're not kind of damaging your body while trying to fix it as well. So this is the one time of actual just real rest and recovery. I'm right in thinking you don't do it for religious purposes, do you? You do it 
No. To like, yeah, just to recover. It's, it's the analogy. Oh, no, not again. Have we lost Sorry, I've got a car, a car there. No, that was me. Um, how does your day work during Ramadan? Oh, um, don't worry, Andy. Terry and I weren't having a conversation there. Day. <laughs> no, look, so for me, it, it's, it's the same way that you can run a 5K on your own, right? But when you've got a big group of people running a 5K together, generally your time is better. And it's that whole principle of I could do it any time in the year, but it's better to do it when you know other people who are going through it. It kind of helps pull you through. So it's more, it's more me yeah. being pragmatic than anything else. That's fair. Uh, right. So it's not... Is, am I right in reading into this that it's nothing to do with the religious side of things? You just like the fact you're fasting? Well, it's, it's, it's for general health, actually. And, and I find what happens is you you freshen up because you're not eating as much. I think eating becomes a habit in our society where we just kind of eat because it's something to do. And actually, that's a, it's, it's a really traumatic event for the body. So I try and do it between, like, once I break fast, probably in a three-hour window, I'll eat the things I want to eat, and then that will be me again until the next day. Do you, fucking, do you hammer it for those three hours? Because I would. You can't because then you can't sleep. <laughs> That's the annoying thing. So you can't really go because oh, okay. then it's hard to sleep because you're bloated and it's just it's not very comfortable. So you end up just. That's true. Of... If I have a takeaway, like if I have a takeaway at like eight o'clock, then I can't sleep till about midnight. Yeah, no, exactly. But that's so far so good. You know, b- belly looks flatter, which is good. So I I can fit into some of the the clothes I normally worry about. You can go down the left hand side of the wardrobe now. <laughs> I could dig in the archives. <laughs> and a happy Ramadan. I don't know what the correct term is, but to anyone out there that is observing it, good on you, man. And like, I hope you have a good one. Is, uh, Terry, what's the, if you know, what's the festival at the end of Ramadan? Uh, it'll be Eid. Ah, uh, that's right, yeah. And then everyone goes nuts and eats like fucking pigs. At least that's my understanding from like, the few people that I've met that do observe Ramadan in a religious sense, like, and when it gets to Eid, we're going mad. <laughs> yeah, and I think for some of the wealthier guys, they end up having these massive banquets at, like, the Hilton on Park Lane, the Dorchester. They throw in these really lavish events to, to celebrate the end of Ramadan. So they get strippers? Only strippers? So I haven't been invited yet, but if I'm invited, that would be my first suggestion. Well, yeah, it'll be nice and slim by then, so... <laughs> no, 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 no. Theobald is the, is the guru now. <laughs> but Martin's been banging that drum for quite a while now. I mean, he's been, he's been trimmed for a while now, so he's been doing a lot of stripping. A lot. Well, he's, he's got rid oh, yeah. of his drum, is the whole point. <laughs> he's got rid of his drum. It's like Joe Wicks, who's like the Martin Theobald. After Joe Wicks' workout, it's the Martin Theobald strip. <laughs> Just me banging off my drum on YouTube for about 10 minutes. <laughs> and somehow you haven't been <laughs> shut down yet. I haven't got a BBC endorsement. <laughs> right, kids. Time to flick over to Theobald. Although we have to, Dad, it's disgusting. <laughs> Just doing a Tyler Good job. <laughs> uh, all right. I mean, it won't surprise you to learn either of you to learn that I have literally no idea what's going on in the world of boxing. So, um, 
is going to be largely you two um, talking about things that are actually happening. And I'll just chirp in here and there for useless comments. I'd tell you about my bike ride today before I drink too much. I forget to tell you. Okay. I went on a bike ride. I quite enjoyed doing it, actually. Um, I think because you, you're so limited in what you can do in terms of your exercise jet. Like, I really miss like the the pain you put your body through of exercise. You know, I was trying to explain this to my wife the other day. I went and hammered it on a bike ride around... This won't mean a lot to a lot of people, but around Willen Lake. Um, so, Andy, you know what I'm on about. But riding well, I'm my... not sure, because in the summer, I'm pretty certain the entire population of the UK is at Willen Lake, so maybe they will. Well, that's true. That is true. Um, but riding from my house down to Willen Lake and then back and then up by the M1 over the back, but properly hammering the body for an hour. Yeah. And I suddenly equated to Clerve. Like, it feels, by the end of it, I've made a, like, a mental deal with myself not to move it out of the hardest set of gears so like 14 to 21 not to come out of those for the whole ride um, and yes yeah, so I went and did that the other day I, it feels like by the end of it it feels like that kind of 85th minute of a football match when you're playing it like right back and the ball gets put over the top <laughs> some, some dude who's just come on 10 minutes ago sprinting after you turned you that's what it feels Nine, like. Nineteen years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Electric pace. They call him Speedy Sid. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, do him, Sid. He's fucked. Do him. <laughs> but that's, that's what the feeling, that's what I miss uh, about being able to do competitive exercise. I was out on a bike ride earlier anyway. That was all set in the scene. And I'm there and I'm, I'm riding a mountain bike. Um, it's nothing flash. It's like, a career, I don't know, about 300 quid job. It's not top of the range, it's not the worst thing in the world, but does a job. I'm riding around Willen Lake, and Andy, you know there's two sides to Willen Lake? Yeah. Uh, and I'm yeah, I'm halfway round the first one, and all the way on this ride, right, again, I'm hammering it. I hammered it from the moment I left my house. I've been icing people. I've been, like, whizzing past people. Like, fucking octogenarians, road sweepers. I christened this my Anthony Yard ride. I'm just icing people that I'm levels above. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, I think I can see Kovalev coming up behind you. (laughs) No, I see this guy in the distance, right? And he's there. And Andy, you'll know how rare it is along like the redways in Milton Keith. Redways are paths where cyclists go on and uh, pedestrians. Um, and around the lake, you don't really get um, proper cyclists. They tend to go on the road. But there was a dude there in like full-on lycra, like a, a fucking a Tour de France helmet, the slick shades and that. And I'm thinking, he's on a road bike as well. I'm going to get him. I'm going to absolutely, he was my covert. I was thinking, I'm, but the thing is with the lake, like you don't know when anyone's going to turn off and go a separate way. So I'm thinking, I know where I've got to turn off. So I'm just going to try and keep up with this dude. Because then it turned into like my version of competitive cycling. He had no idea. He had no idea what's going on. <laughs> so I'm absolutely, I'm fairly hammering it to keep up with him. But I knew that my turning off to head back home was like probably about halfway around the lake. 
And so I just, I kept them in my sights. And then I was, I was kind of approaching where I knew I needed to turn off. I proper had that empty the tank moment. I had my Tunde Ajayi moment going around in my head. Empty the tank, I fucking nailed it past him. I absolutely nailed it past him. But I could not keep it up. <laughs> I, proper, I proper yarded myself. I was, I was fucked. So I was ahead of him. I was ahead of him for all of about a minute, if that. Didn't, didn't you make it to your turn-off before? No, nah, I, I didn't even make it to my own turn-off. I couldn't claim the moral victory. <laughs> yeah, no, he, 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 he could have pulled off and then just shouted, oh, mate, if we'd have kept going, I would have stayed in front of you. <laughs> yeah, no, he was, back, he was back in front by the time I was heading home. Um, but yeah, then I was riding back thinking like, I was eyeing up other people and I think he's only got a mounted bike. <clears throat> but I'm levels above him. He's domestic level. I'm international. I'm coming back to my peloton race again. I'll be back next week. Faster, stronger. Lions yeah. in the camp. And just like to try and uh, put a boxing slant on that, are there any boxers that you remember that have basically just enjoyed icing people and that's all they've really done? They could have tested well, themselves at a high level, but they've actually just loved icing people at a low level. Uh, no, most people get progressed. I can't think of anyone. Terry would be better to name someone than I would. Oh, I'm trying to think. So it has to be someone who stays around the same level and gets away with just bullying people. Uh, but then they always eventually step up, don't they? Bully only tried it a bit, if we're being honest. That's what that was. That was his... I knew you'd say yeah. it. <laughs> I fucking knew you'd say Bully only. <laughs> now you got to put the knife in sometimes, then. But but look, <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of these heavyweights. Like Sokolowski kind of does that, doesn't he? Where he'll he'll ice a lot of really rubbish heavyweights, and then he'll step up, and then he gets a hard time of it himself. So it depends. But he never even stepped up. He just got iced by Hellenius. <laughs> <laughs> On paper, that should have been no harder than the rest of his effort. So Martin, when you got back from your, you finished your cycling, did you find well, it? Yeah. Did you, uh, did that, that, what, what, was that it? Was that the end of your, uh, was at the end of your sort of narrative of your cycle ride. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was knackered by the end of it, and uh, he rightly beat me. But I put my, I put my best efforts in, and I had a slight advantage for a while. I should have won it. I emptied my tank too early. Well, it doesn't matter if someone's levels above you and smashes you. You can always at least get a rematch and loads of money out of it. Maybe or I'll go to a Spanish leisure centre and do it next time. Yeah. <laughs> what's going on with you well, I, I genuinely want see Yard well, he's meant to be fighting um, uh, the geezer what's his name it's Lyndon Arthur yeah that, that was a good fight that that's a shame that never came off that's probably one of the better ones that was lined up that's been cancelled but it's all look it's all going to have to to reboot at some point right because well, because you're not gonna number one, you can't shoot your big guns out early because we don't know what the hell is going on. So they're gonna have to 
and I was, I was talking to I was talking to Rico about this weirdly enough, and I was saying you have to think about how congested the sporting market is going to be as soon as they they let they open the gates, when football, rugby, cricket, netball, tennis all come on stream. Add in the F one, boxing can't put on British prospect on the way up versus Eastern European nobody. No one's you're just not going to watch that because. No, but not, we also discussed it. So we, we discussed it last time. The boxing's going to be the last out of the blocks, isn't it? Because of everyone saying they need a full camp. So, so the, and, that's and, novelty factor of sport being back is going to have gone. And, and so this is a challenge, and that's why I'd imagine you want to get your your kind of your area level guys out first, right? Because they don't need an eight week camp. They shouldn't. Six weeks, they should be good to go. If, if not, then they weren't being professional. So and also, they'll be the ones, they'll be the cheaper ones for the bigger promoters to put out and test how do you do it. It doesn't matter if it goes wrong, essentially. But I think I said it in one of, one of the episodes I recorded before, like, the ticket-selling model of boxing, for now, dead. Just dead. There's, there's, there's going to be no right we're selling tickets to York Hall because once you introduce social distancing, which is mm. is, is pretty locked in for the rest of the year, you know, you're all going to be sat two metres apart. What's the capacity of York Hall all of a sudden? 450, 500? Well, it'd be 600-ish. Yeah. But that, that doesn't work. That doesn't work for a show. Yeah, atmosphere-wise, it won't work. Ticket sales, it won't work. Like the economics of boxing are basically screwed because if you look at the Hearn model, the Hearn model is I'll only put on a show that would make money even if we didn't have television. Essentially, that's how Hearn likes to work. So that relies on being able to, to sell a certain number of tickets, which you now can't do. So now you've got to look to the TV companies and say, we need you to help us put on events now. And I imagine the TV companies will then say back, well, how about we just do everything pay-per-view? But that just means that we can't have any bullshit fights. And so now the power's back with Barney Francis at Sky and whoever's in charge of BT to start signing off on these, on these fight cards. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Did you watch that um, Frank Warren interview with Dev Sarni, their lockdown lowdown, which is a really good name. I wonder where they got it from, Dev. Borrowed it. <laughs> I'm going back into the bag of doom. What are we getting? Well, that sound, that sound is not eardrum piercingly painful. That's what I love about that sound. Well, it isn't to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so now Dev and um, Frank Warren doing one the other day and... Warren was saying, you know, they're probably going to have to take the hit on shows. It was kind of the gist of what he was saying, that there's no money in it for promoters when you can't bring fans through. But he was saying, you know, that's kind of, you know, where what he accepts as being the norm for now, but they need to keep boxing relevant. And, and I think he's more comfortable running things at a loss than Hearn will be, because there'll be a massive blow yeah, to he's Hearn. Been do, he's been doing it for years anyway, isn't he? So. <laughs> <laughs> it's been doing empty arenas. Um, I think this time they'll send it Royal Mail signed for, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I've furloughed my legal staff, Frank. I'm going to have to uh, get them back in. <laughs> no, I think, I think boxing's fucked. I was talking to, to John Pilata yesterday. We just had a catch-up. And I just said to him, 
I can't see on what basis all these jobbing boxes are going to make a living because their income is essentially we sell tickets in order to be able to box. We cannot sell tickets because of the capacity issue. And most people are just like, do you know what, mate? I'm not risking it yet. Like Until, until yeah. I know for certain there's a vaccine, I am not risking it. Boxing isn't that deep for me. Yeah, because, I mean, even if they said York Hall's 50% capacity, now we'll open it up, and they said every other seat can be sat in, would you trust that? I wouldn't. No, not with because... people that go to boxing shows. Fuck no. No, exactly. So you've got, you know, if you think of the, the ringside ones, then you'd have to, like, alternate, like a chessboard, essentially, wouldn't you? Like, black, white, black, white, black, white, and then white, black, white, black, white, black. In terms of which seats are going to be empty, <laughs> is that when... make sure Devin Haney's not listening there, Theobald. That can be taken out of context. I, I think I think the biggest problem is going to be the fact that up to this point, up to this this thing happening, you look at the history of people attending basically any live event, and it has been unmitigated, unfettered people just spunking cash on live events. It has been the thing to do, showing sales on Instagram. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, I'm not saying anything revelatory here that hasn't been said before. People love to show themselves off at sport events, check themselves in, look where I'm going, look what I'm doing. That oh, culture has to change. It's, it's going to change, isn't it? Is and it do you think... I mean, Steve had um, Steve Goodwin did a thing with the manager of York Hall the other day on Instagram. I don't know if anyone saw it. Um, I literally think no one saw it. Being honest with you. <laughs> well, I did, so you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I only say that because this lockdown has, re, has reaffirmed to me how irrelevant boxing is, right? I know so, when you when you said the other day about that female bodybuilder in mints, I was pissing myself. But, but she's doing great numbers, and I'm sure she's making a hell of a lot of money off the OnlyFans as well. And I'm looking at Caldwell. Caldwell's doing 150 views tops, right? Coogan did a thing with Rob Tebbett, and it was what 200. And then I'm looking at this, and I'm like, and these guys are trying to tell me that a million people were watching boxing content. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. <laughs> oh, he's had it lined up. <laughs> Get in. Fair play. Um, but the manager of York Hall was saying, from a venue perspective, like they don't make money on hiring out York Hall. And he was saying that the, the cost of the hall is basically the cost of, you know, the overheads for their mortgage plus their staff for the night plus security. They make their money over the bar. And so to have a behind-closed-doors event or 50% capacity event, that cuts their profit. So they're going to have to raise the cost of the hall if they hire it out. Yeah, but, <laughs> but look, tickets are already 40, 60, and 100, right? You can't... <laughs> you can't... I'm telling you, small hall's dead. All of this stuff, I, I was talking to Porky about this, and I said, I don't see how Dennis puts on shows, even if he's got Eurosport. I don't see how anyone puts on a show. Like, like even... No, I, I, I don't see how Hearn puts on a non-Joshua White or Chisora show. I don't see how you put on a show. And even if you do, 
it, it has to be 50-50s now because you're, you're trying to convince us to spend our money. And we've broken this umbilical cord of constant drip feeding of bullshit that Hearn used to do. So it was like literally from one fight to another, it was an unbroken cycle of bullshit. And it stopped now. And we've all had a chance to go, well, actually, what is my relationship with boxing? And even I've done it. And I've sat there and I've realized, well, two things this lockdown's taught me. One, my time is fucking precious. And I was wasting it doing a lot of stuff that wasn't working for me. And a lot of things in boxing fall into that box. A lot of that stuff wasn't working for me. And only now that I've stepped away from it, I look and go, why was I doing that? So I now have to renegotiate my own relationship with the sport. And I'm sure everyone else is doing this with, with friends, relatives, sports that they do. Do they really like going to the gym? All this sort of stuff. It's all kicking in now. And Hearn, Hearn has to realize that rugby is saying, we need more people coming through the doors because we've lost so much money in this. Football's doing the same thing. We need greater engagement. We need more. We need more. And all of these sports are going to start shafting boxing at some point. And so we don't have a choice. We can't have this thing of give you 20 build-up fights before you fight for a title. We just can't do that anymore. I think now, how come it, we've talked about this for about four years, how promoters have taken the piss out of fans for so long now now the boot's on the other foot, and the promoters need us more than we need them. Uh, I think, I think that, goes, that goes for all sport, though, doesn't it? That goes for all, all sport is now having to take a step back. And if they've got any... Well, OK, I was going to say if they've got any ounce of sense, but let's face it, the economics are going to make them... Well, no, so Andy, it's going Andy, to force no, no, them no. to look at the fans in a different way. But, for example, Andy, I know if they resume the Premier League season, I know what's coming up. And I'm comfortable with that because it's everyone's got to play each other twice. There, there's, there's no... I can't be disappointed in anything because I know, I know what I've signed up for. It's the same with rugby and it's the same with cricket. I know what's it's, coming. Well, yeah, all right, all right, but there's a different... There's a, <laughs> There's a different level of abuse that's being that that's be that football fans are milked like cows. That Arsenal fans are paying a thousand pounds for a season ticket or whatever it is. Like if if the fans if there's a if there is if this does reduce people's appetite for a live sporting, there's gonna and it reduces demand to the point where they have to, like people the um, football clubs and live sporting people putting on live events have to then look at people in a different way it's not a case of we'll put the see how high we can see the price and we'll still get people through the door no matter what it'll be no, a case I disagree. of what? I disagree I disagree well I mean I, I just I just can't see how it's going to be exactly the same it, as it was before if you look at what they say from football clubs now I don't necessarily agree with it but we're talking top level like Tottenham, there's a year and a half waiting list just to get a season ticket. Man United, two-year waiting list to get a season ticket. That demand will still be there on the back of this. And that one-year waiting list, that two-year waiting list, they're not necessarily hardcore fans. They're people that have got the disposable income to go along and watch it. Now, where you're saying like a grand for season ticket, Arsenal, think about if you essentially had a season ticket for Matchroom, how much do you think that would be? If you could go to every one of their home shows. 
say it's what eighty quid a ticket to one show. How many shows per year in the UK? Twelve. That's a grand. <laughs> Four. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, how many people would be on the waiting list to get that? It's not a year's worth. I can tell you that. <laughs> and so that's the problem. It's I, I'm going. We will always have that demand, no matter how long we're away for. Boxing won't. I mean, but but yeah, drop, putting making a direct comparison to you, know, I accept it's, it's different because the fan base of football is is massive. But I, I, I did, what I'm, I suppose what I was trying to get at is that football, football even now football has different problems to worry about than boxing. I get that, but even football, some I feel something will have, have been impacted by this. Either fans won't stand for giant transfers because of the money that's being. The, you know, the money might get thrown about or what, what something will come of it whatever it is if it's not li- literally directly season ticket sales nah but I would take a bet with you I'll take a bet with you right now 12 months time the Premier League is the same as the Premier League before he went away there will be no changes so so you think 20 if you by the time we get to next year, you could pretty much remove 2020 out of the yearbook and 19 and 21 will look as though they're fraud on from each other in terms of progression of transfer fees and wages and season ticket sales and that sort of thing. Probably not transfer I think the fees. Only thing that, the only thing that would be impacted is transfer fees because there'll be some of the television revenue lost. But that doesn't impact... No fan will drive lower transfer fees the way the fans will be treated will be the same. In boxing, you need to change the product to entice the fans. In football, you don't. Well, I mean, there is that. Yeah, I take that point. So, moving then on to boxing, what, Kerry, when you said before about what small hall boxers, uh, sorry, small hall promoters put out, the small hall scene puts out, what can they do differently? What can boxing do differently as a, as a model to try and, you know, earn fans' patronage? Pack up and fuck off. That is, <laughs> <it>. <laughs> that, 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 that is it. Look, it's nothing but an ego trip. If you're just kicking out, you know, shows at Stoke Town Hall or wherever it is, you're doing that for ego. These kids are never going to make television, Right. It is literally you just saying you're involved in a sport, you grab a bunch of kids, sell them a dream, which you can never deliver on. And then these kids are there jobbing, and eventually they'll fall out of love with the sport and piss off. Why, why I say that is this. If you look at what's happened at the moment, all, all gyms are shut, and that includes amateur boxing clubs. But they've still got overheads they've got to meet. Especially in London, you've still got rents to pay. What I'd like to see, and I hope, I hope England boxing are smart enough to see that this is their opportunity to go, the small hall guys can't do anything. Maybe this is our chance to, to find a proposition that works now. A proper bridge between not being paid to box and being paid to box properly. I don't know what that looks like at the moment, but I know that the small hall game's done for now. And I'm not saying permanently, it's done for now because the economics don't make sense. It's not even about my opinion on anybody right now. It is just the economics do not make sense. And so let's park it for now. All, all these guys that were, were chugging along, just park them and go, look, guys, this ain't working for you. Just go and deliver food for Ricardo. You're all good. 
And then, <laughs> and then let's start looking at the grassroots and how do we build better boxes? How do we, how do we encourage the amateur tradition that says we will always match competitively? That's what needs to come back to boxing, this idea that we will always match competitively and then from a fan's perspective, this needs to, this needs to become gospel. A loss does not define you. You shouldn't go to the back of the queue because you lost the, at your one time to shine. You should just be, you should be part of that pack and you should be part of the discussion. That's what we need to get to. Is, is there, I might, I've put myself out here now to be shot down immediately. Is there any way you could set up and like an algorithm-based league table for boxers, uh, which would mean that when you did lose, you just dropped down to a level where you just fought, you know, seven and eight on the list, or you were up against seven and eight on the list as opposed to two and well, three or whatever. The, the IBO, um, the IBO take their rankings from BoxRec. And BoxRec is essentially what you were talking about. So it takes some contrived algorithm of, um, who you fight, how uh, important that fight is deemed to be uh, based on a five-star system, um, that opponent's record, where they're from, all these things, chugs it into a computer and then ranks wow. you, whether you win or lose, ranks you within the top, you know, however many people there are in your weight division within the world. And the IBO use those rankings for their rankings. So they say our rankings aren't influenced by promoters um, you know, paying in or you know getting their what? what what would what world governing body would do that? Yeah, no, I mean other governing bodies, their judges will be getting wanked off in hotel rooms because that's how it works, and you know they get some free. Whereas the IBO say we use box work. <laughs> I love the idea of like, ring, ring. Hi, Steve. It's Steve. Just wondering if I can get my mate up the rankings. Yeah, no worries, mate. You're going to have to whack me up in a hotel. <laughs> well, I can send one of my girls out to do it. That's not the price, Steve. <laughs> At this point, I'd like Marty to do that Welsh accent again. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, hello there, Terry. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a Welsh nephew and niece and uh, they stand up like <laughs> I like the Scouser that turned into a Welsh person <laughs> they're very geographically close easily mixed <laughs> but, but, but let's, let's so let's see I'm going to be so intrigued to see what happens when they finally say sporting events can happen I, because I have a feeling that some promoters are so deluded that they'll try They'll go, right, let me put on the show. And then they won't yeah. realise well, what the constraints are until they go, ah, oh, no, this isn't going to work. Am I right in thinking that Jabois Joyce is still scheduled for June? July 11th. July 11th? Like, at the 02. <laughs> at the 02. Like, if you're buying a ticket for that, you're buying a ticket for boxing's equivalent of Fire Festival. I think I think I, I think Frank lost his seat. Joyce doesn't strike me as the world's most naturally slender man. They'd have to pull him in on a forklift, wouldn't they? To fight. <laughs> He'd be like the world's biggest juggernaut. 
Nah, he'll be in shape. He'll be in shape, man. But you think? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't. How can you possibly plan to put on a show in what two months' time? Eight, nine weeks' time? When right now, for the next week and a half minimum, we're all in lockdown. So you're telling me then that seven weeks after that lockdown, if that lockdown ended, seven weeks after that, you're putting on a show at the O2. Fuck off. Yeah, a lot of sporting events are just as bad. I mean, I don't know exactly when the Premier League's supposed to be coming, but what? There's a difference immediately. No one's selling tickets right now to a Premier League game. Are they still selling tickets to the O2 then? It's still scheduled. I'd imagine you can buy tickets. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Let's just spare a moment for StubHub, guys. Just spare a moment for StubHub right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wouldn't yeah. it be nice if after all this, StubHub, like, just died out? Oh, yeah, and of all yeah. the things we lost, we lost StubHub. But on the plus side for them, all those events that would have been refunded, but they'd have kept their uh, their admin fee, wouldn't they? I'm sure. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's the, maybe that's the plan. Just keep reorganising boxing events, and then getting people to buy tickets, and then just refunding the price, and just weaning two pound fifty off each person <laughs> as they go along. I'm sure there are no boxing uh, companies that are directly involved with StubHub. <laughs> now nah, this is going to be fascinating because you look at rugby rugby are looking at a deficit they reckon 40 to 50 mil and you're going to see clubs hit the wall unless unless cvc who are a venture capital company that have invested in rugby unless they loan the league some money they're going to hit the wall the football league are looking at clubs just crashing into the wall as well and I don't think it's a bad thing. I've always thought at the professional level, we're, we're over-sported, so to speak. Like, we don't need 92 yeah. league clubs. It's ridiculous. And that's an anachronism from <laughs> an age when you couldn't watch football on TV. But now we can. We don't need 92 league clubs. And we don't need all of those tiers below getting paid either. It's the same in rugby. Rugby should not be a professional sport because it's never been able to generate a profit. So why is it a professional sport? It, it is literally living off the largesse of people like the guy that owns Hargreaves Lansdowne, the guy that was paying his Saracens, Nigel Ray was paying his players elite, well, unlawfully, so to speak, against the rules. So you look at those sorts of sports. If they're struggling, boxing's fucked. Because if you look at boxing, right, let, well, this is a boxing model, isn't it? Well, I'll pick who I want to fight. And then I'll kind of pick when I want to fight. And if I don't fancy it, I won't fancy it. And I'll do all of this nonsense I talk on Twitter about offering a fight of five million. I'll do all of these stupid, childish things that fans are bored of. What we want is, if you remember last year when the Zoe just put out their fixtures for sports, I'd like boxing to do that, to say, listen, for the rest of the year, he's fighting him, he's fighting him, and if they don't fight these people, they're not boxing. Yeah, the UFC model. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. everyone. I mean, doesn't everyone want that apart from the people who control it because it, they don't want to be beholden to a schedule? Yeah. 
they need the money. But in a way, boxing, boxing is one of the few sports which the people at the top of it aren't going to be crippled like in, say, football. Where in football, you know, those contracts, <clears throat> the contracts that Man United have with their players, Arsenal have with their players, City have with their players, and then you take that down the tiers, they still got to be paid. Whereas in boxing, no one's getting paid. So it doesn't matter to Hearn because it's not like he's got to pay Joshua a salary. He pays him a cut of his purse. So right now, there's no outgoings for these boxing companies aside from, you know, a small amount for their staff. But in reality, like, when it comes back, all it will do is filter out those who couldn't do it as a full-time professional anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one way of looking at it. I, I do, I, I can't help but, I am sympathetic to Terry's, the essence of what Terry's saying about, in some way, this, this being, I don't know if it links into what you just said as well, mine, but like, almost like a cleansing, to some extent, yeah. of, no, no, I, I agree. The, the, the market has, has been bloated by, you know, uh, not philanthropists, but like investors into 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 sports that can't naturally naturally keep themselves afloat. And the 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 part I find distasteful is when they start asking for bailouts. No, there's no problem with them asking the governing bodies of their own sports a bailout. You know, the sport can do what it wants internally, whatever. But the minute that it becomes a some sort of community argument, like flip flop. Chesterford City ask you know the government to bail them out because they've run up whatever ever debts or whatever. That's as far as I'm concerned, that's not an issue. Like you, they have to go, they have to go to the wall. It's the same with Woolworths, the same with BHS. Some things just can't stay afloat in a, in a, in a free market, and you know as part of that, this he's, this has come along, and to some extent, it's gonna it's gonna wipe out, it's, it's gonna sort the wheat from the chaff. Yes. What I found really interesting was um, the statement from the British Boxing Board of Control a couple of weeks back now, which... Yeah, 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 I saw that. You posted that, didn't you? Yeah, it was very sensible, very well written, um, and very realistic. You know, basically saying, as a sport, we can't go anywhere. We're, we're hamstrung until, firstly, the NHS is back on its feet. Yeah. Um, you know, like, even if we put a show on, there may not be the hospital beds whereby we can go and take somebody should they get a brain injury and put them in a hospital because the staff <laughs> may not be available. So yeah. even if you said behind closed doors is fine, social distancing, yada, 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 we still can't do anything until the NHS is in a position whereby they can, um, uh, they can handle the sport. And then he went and Robert Smith went and did an IFL interview the other day. I don't know if either of you seen that. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> they're not relevant right now. It's done a million. It's done a million views, Terry. Probably two million by now. Probably three. Uh, in the time I, I just took a breath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he went and gave a very different message during that. Basically saying like, "Oh, we could maybe get it up and running by June." And that was not the message that was put out in the kind of the release about it, which was very much take your time, everyone else get on their feet, and then we'll fit in after that. But let's it walk through it logically, though. Let's walk through it logically, right? How many medical teams do you think you need on a typical Saturday playing football? 
like for all, all the levels, all the levels of, of, of football where there's a medical team and an ambulance there, like the public would never stomach that. Then you got the same for top level rugby as well. So now you want boxing to, to try and fit into that. Like, and I think it comes back to the whole issue of if you were given a choice, Andy, you could buy one ticket when sport comes back. You could sit anywhere you want. You can go anywhere you want. I am confident that would not be a boxing ticket. Uh, it depends if I get to choose a card. <laughs> yeah. You know, if it was, the thing is, you're right in the respect what you were saying earlier. I don't, I never have wanted to see anyway, but I definitely now don't want to see boxing's back. And the first fight we're going to see is Billy Nobody versus Johnny No One. Like, I just don't give a fuck about those fights. Like, after all this time, now, I can just see it. Like, you, so let, let's say boxing comes back in, say, bloody, I don't know, August. You can, straight away, you can almost feel it as there'll be, there'll be boxers going, yeah, I'm gonna, I can't wait. Now boxing's back, I'm going to get right into it. My next fight in May is going to be, and you're like, oh, fuck off. Do you know what? <laughs> yeah. I was going to, and that, I was going to say, you almost want, when it comes back, you almost want it to be like, right, you've now, everyone's got three months and I want a boxing bonanza. <laughs> That's I want. No, no, but do you know what you'll get though? What, if the government lifts the restrictions, Hearn will be straight onto IFL going, you will not believe the fights I am making. Coogs, yeah. you will not believe it. You, the fights I am making will have you tickling your bollocks, mate. Yeah, well, proper tickling. You, you know what I mean? That's what, that's what he'll do. He'll spin it, he'll spin it, he'll spin it. And then you'll get Joshua Boatsy versus Bob Adjusef. That's what you'll get. And that's no disrespect to the two participants, but it's not who I want to see either guy fight. Yeah, because so, as you said, Andy, uh, Terry, about what ticket would you buy when sport reconvenes? Yeah, that's what I was going to go to. Yeah, go on. Like, even as a boxing fan, you you know, I'll go and watch most things boxing-wise, but as soon as the doors open to everything and we're allowed to go out of the house and we're allowed to go to things, everything is going to be competing for our time. Everything. And so it has to be special. It has to, like, yeah. you, need to, you need to put on a card of Fury Joshua with an undercard of White Wilder and Frotch Grove Spring. And then I'll turn up. <laughs> and then I'll turn up. <laughs> what about... Chizora I want Hey Bell, you three. Patel. <laughs> Mine had watched Chisora Patel, Prince Patel. Yeah, I'm up for that. <laughs> A catchway, just because I just fucking wiping Prince Patel out. I'm up for that. <laughs> yeah, but, you're right though. It, it, absolutely, like, and realistically, it would have to be something. It would have to be something that special. But in addition to all that, like exactly what you've said, when when the restrictions get lifted, similar to what you said earlier, Martin, rather, when the restrictions do get lifted. I tell you now, I'm going to be opening my diary and being like, right, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. In three months' time, I'm going to be doing, I'm going to have done a lot of catching up. I might be ready to sit down and watch something. I might, I might not be, but I certainly won't be wasting my fucking time watching dog shit cards. Yeah, you know, actually, it's not about the events that you're going to get to. It's about the people that you're going to see. Exactly, exactly. And that includes my friends, my family. 
my football team, all those things. And it's not necessary. Like, Eddie Hearn can't afford my attention when this comes back. Like, if, if the first game I have to watch is, or I have to watch, is Manchester United Norwich, for example, I, I don't mind. That's not the top, top game that I desperately want to see. But I don't mind it being Man United Norwich because I know at some point I'm going to see Man United Chelsea, Man United Arsenal, whatever. But but also you you understand that Man United don't have a choice, right? They didn't choose to play Norwich on that date. The fixture computer said you have to do this. Then after this you got another game. That's why you're comfortable. They they couldn't have paid a hundred grand more and got the City game. But okay, yeah, okay, yeah, it, yeah. it comes back. It comes back to this thing, and this is where my head is at, boxing-wise. I am only going to reward the people in boxing that gave back to the fans. Do you know what I mean? Like this is. This, and I, I said it. I think I said it when we did the last podcast, and I said, "This is the time for boxers to give back to the fans. This is the time for us to see who do boxers really care about." And I think we found out pretty quickly that they don't care about the fans. Like, they've been piss poor when it comes to entertaining. Like, what I found interesting in the boxing community in which I kind of inhabit is how many people are suddenly now embracing things like the NFL, the NBA, because ESPN are just giving so much great content on these sports that you're like, fuck me, these sports are so much better than boxing. And you're looking at what... What, what have Sky given us? Just rehashed old fights. And you're like, I don't want to see the fight because I know who won. Give me yeah. an additional layer of something. Give me the context. Even if you'd had like, I'm trying to think of a fight that entertained me. Uh, let's go with Dillian White, Joseph Parker because they're under the same promotional banner. You could have just had those guys talk about the fight. Like, listen, you know, run the fight live and you can ask some questions. Look, in round three, when Didion hit you with this, what was going through your head? That sort of thing would have been the bare minimum I expected. Instead, we've been, we've had to sit through crap like Coogan and Rob Tebbett. Um, Rob Tebbett is another dead interview. Rob Tebbett with another dead interview. Eddie Hearn going live with boxers we don't care about. And and I don't want to start digging people out, but when like Goodwin went live, I was like, Nah, nah, Steve, Steve, don't do this. Because Steve is, Steve's better off when there are no numbers associated with his actions because then he can, you know, I mean, he can maintain that sort of, you know, the nice guy of the sport reputation. But when he did that all-female one and I saw the numbers, I was just like, hey, like, like he's paining me to watch this. No, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't take joy in that. That's the sort of thing where you've got to leave that to Hearn. That's Hearn's lane. He'll do 2,000 doing that, and that's cool. But let's, can I just put boxing in context for a second? The biggest name in British boxing right now in terms of social media is probably Eddie Hearn. And he's doing 2,200 views when he talks to his boxers. There was a thing called Versus on Monday, and it had Babyface, who's a hip-hop and R&B producer, and it had Teddy Riley, who's similar. And they just went head to head. You pick your best track, I pick my best track. They did this over 20 tracks. And they basically broke the mobile app for Instagram. They did 513,000 concurrent views. So that's not everyone that watched it. But at one point, half a million people 
were watching two men over 50 playing some of their old hits and people were deciding who had the better catalogue. That puts boxing in perspective. Did you see tennis the other day? Rafa Nadal and Roger Federer jumped on Instagram call together. Yeah, yeah. Well, Martin, you raised a point the other day when you were speaking to Steve, which was, why is no boxer literally giving, like, free lessons on YouTube? Or even, or, or even, like, there's no way that there isn't... Um, uh, a boxer who's got a teenage son who can't, they both get some kit on they've got in the house and he can talk through the actions of a fight that he was in or something, just anything to keep people to, ha to grab people's attention and show that they're missing the sport just as a, I can watch, I can watch Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher talk about a 19 fucking 1998 match between May United and Arsenal, and I'll watch it for 15 minutes, just hearing their thoughts and their feelings at that point. If you've got uh, Frotch and Groves on a Skype call, you know maybe they're not the best two to pick, but talking about their fight, no, they I'd are. Watch that as well, they are. Because I'd be I'd be gripped by, you know, the feelings that like almost like a behind the scenes that. Potentially, these people are sometimes too busy to do. Now, they're not too busy to do it, to fucking do it. <laughs> I, I, I have a theory on this, though. I have a theory on this. It'll be quick. Sorry, Martin. A lot of these beefs are so fake that they couldn't jump on Instagram Live and go head to head because it's all fake. Like, they don't dislike each other that much. So it would almost devalue the product because there's no genuine animosity between them. I think that's the problem. Like, we've been fed so much bullshit that what actually, what's true behind the scenes is that how oh, all these guys get along. But Hearn mooted the idea of doing fantasy press conferences, didn't he? Where he said about he could potentially run a press conference, like a head-to-head -head between Carl Frotch and Joe Calzaghe and one between Amir Khan and Kel Brook. Do it then. Okay. Tell us you might do it. <laughs> There's no benefit in me telling you you might do it. Do it. Oh, I'll do it if I'm not too busy. Yeah. What, what's holding you up? What's holding you up? <laughs> For sake. But the, the point I raised the other day in that tweet was how many engaged people are there within boxing? If you believe the Anthony Joshua pay-per-view numbers, a million. Let's say 10% of them are on Twitter. You've got, say, 100,000 people looking for boxing content on Twitter. Why has no boxer, not one that I have seen, and if I'm wrong, correct me, fine, no active boxer put onto Twitter links to videos where they're just teaching people five-minute videos of the very basics of boxing? God, what a time to lose them. Oh, we lost Martin. Uh, no, I'm still there. Oh, I, I don't know if I lost you both or if... Okay, just to reiterate then, because I may have gone to as, as close to... Why has no active boxer, and I'll be willing to prove them wrong, but why has no active boxer, and then it just cut off? <laughs> <laughs> why has no active boxer just posted, like, 20-minute or even 15, 10-minute daily videos of how to throw a jab? 
how to throw a right hand, how to throw an uppercut, a hook off of both hands. 10, 15 minute videos. Doesn't need the world of editing, doesn't need all of this. But if you say you've got 100,000 people that are engaged in boxing as viewers that are on Twitter, the same 90,000 of those have never laced up a pair of gloves, have never put in a gum shield, but have got all this time on their hands. How many do you think would fancy just having a go in their living room just to try it out? Okay, yeah. I have an answer. No, 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 no. I have an answer for this. So I have an answer for this. So Sherelle Brown, a female boxer, boxes at Light Welter. So she does them, I think like every other day or a couple of times a week. And one of her videos has done about 650 views. I know Lloyd Ellett, who used to box, he does them, but he's been doing them since before. So he just carries on. And there's a I follow Lloyd, Lightning yeah. Lloyd, um, but I've not seen his. Yeah, yeah, he does a little video clips of how to, how to throw the one-two, how to angle. So he does that. I'm trying to think who else. Wayne Smith, who coaches the amateurs at St. Mary's. So he's, he's yeah, also I trying. I mean, so, so there are people trying it, but my issue with that actually is that's not what fans really want because, like, the home workout thing, like, you got these fitness ladies, like, they just look better doing it. No disrespect to these people, but, you know, I'd rather watch Holly Hammers doing ab work than, you know, learning how to throw a jab, like, if I've got limited time. The value in boxing you content... You haven't got limited time. No one's got limited time. I mean, someone's still got to work. <laughs> But if you check these 10-minute videos out for people, I've not seen one. And like I say, I may well have missed them. Absolutely fine. I'll take that. I'll tell, tell you who is trying something, and it's going to happen tonight, 10 o'clock. But by the time this goes out, it's probably already happened. Denzel Bentley's doing a, a Denzel and Friends type thing at 10 o'clock on a Sunday, where you, know, he'll, you just join in and you just get to, I mean, he'll just get to catch up and talk to people. And it, I'm like, at least the kid's trying. And... And it worries me that it's hard. Yeah. Like when you've got when you've got choices to make about you know what content. I don't necessarily want boxers to be saying, "Look, this is how you throw shots," because I think boxing is one of these things that's really contextual. So you can show me how to do a bicep curl or a kettlebell swing in my living room because I can feel the tension. I know if it's going right or if it's going wrong. The challenge you have with boxing is you don't have that feedback mechanism. So it's all a bit abstract. I like people who are trying to do a thing, but it's hard to, to give color to, to the whole boxing process. I think the real value, I think... Maybe, but I think... I get that entirely. I'm with you. But if, like, just give if, the if, very if you, basics. If you, if you watch a dancer doing dance moves, those, the kids that are doing dance moves in their living room are not going to be able to perform those dance moves in any sort of great you know, great, great skill. You're not going to be able to stick a kid in a, in a boxing ring, but if a father and a son watch, let's just say, Anthony Joshua bothered his ass to do it, watch Anthony Joshua doing workouts, that might be that son's first exposure to boxing or to Anthony Joshua. And then in 12 months' time, and Anthony Joshua is fighting, his dad can go, do you remember that guy we did those exercises with? He's fighting. Oh, wow, Dan Joshua's fighting. And, you know, that, that, give, that give, builds a relationship with an audience. I it's agree. It's not necessarily about perfecting the art of boxing. The scale that down to a small hall boxer, because a small hall boxer in 12 months' time, in six months' time, will be asking you for 60 quid 
for a ticket to their fight. Now is the perfect opportunity to give people something back. So when you're asking for that 60 quid, it triggers something in the head that says, oh, yeah, they did do those little bits that I practiced with my son that I did in the living room. But yeah. no one's doing anything. Selfish. Get a fucking grip. Selfish. How many times have I said to you guys, selfish? I'll give you an example, right? Do you remember when they shut all the pubs? They said, look, right, everything's shut down. It was a Friday, wasn't it? They shut everything down on a Friday, right? Gyms, pubs, everything shut. The number of PTs that just flipped and went, this PT thing's dead for the next six months, and became as the delivery drivers, Tesco delivery drivers, volunteers in the NHS. The number of PTs I know that got off their asses and went and did something is remarkable. And, and they've still got time to train in their home gyms and to do those live workouts. And I say, fair play to you. Now, look at boxers. Boxers, same position. Their gym shut down. There's really nothing to do. And I'm like, okay, so what are you guys doing? Do you know what they're doing? Behaving like workers, sat there waiting for the boss to tell them when they're fighting. No one's taking charge of their career, except like, look, like Umar. If nothing else, one thing I'll give Umar Sadiq credit for was the, re, the, the, the revisiting of some of his old videos where you're like, oh, okay. You see, those sorts of things I've got time for. Yeah, go, go into your archives. Go find something in your phone. Even if it's a little bit like a 30-second sparring clip that's mildly entertaining, put it out there, put a bit of commentary, say, look, you know what I mean? We both went hard at each other. I caught him with a lovely body shot. Just watch that. Put it in slow motion if you want. There are so many things these guys should be doing because... When they start asking people to buy tickets, we're going to remember who made us feel good at this time. Agree. I, I, I feel like this, this is the flip side of the benefit that our boxers get, where the fact that, that like someone like Mayweather can just he can box sort of on his own. Go right. I'm going to. I'm just going to box here and earn a hundred million dollars. Didn't have to pay anyone, can sort himself out. He's, he's, a, he's his own entity financially. This is where it falls down when, down when something like this happens. You see footballers at the moment, their clubs are sending them videos with exercises to do, monitoring their health. Whereas boxers, I bet there's plenty of boxers out there, small hall boxers, that no one gives a fuck about. No, no, hold on. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Even Mayweather has given us classic content. Let, 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 let's be clear, in this, in this like, pandemic, Floyd's been a good guy. Oh, yeah! I had to say that one. No, but Floyd's been, Floyd's been, Floyd's been awesome. Like, he gave, he's given... I was using Floyd as one of those pinups where the reason he's made the amount of money he's made, aside from him being, you know, good boxer, great entertainer, whatever, is the fact that he's not just got a contract like a footballer. He doesn't. He, he can make those big standout deals. It was it was more of a case of that as a as an example rather than calling him out for content. Frankly, I wouldn't even know if he made or not. I made smart investments. That's why, right now. With this huge academic, I mean, uh, with this, with this, yeah. it, with, with this, with, with this huge shit that's going on, all this crazy stuff that's going on, my investments are still paying off. <laughs> my, my investments are still paying off. Thanks, Floyd. Mayweather will never let you down. What I love about Floyd is he will never let you down. He'll always give you something you'll remember. 
But do, do you know what I mean? Like the fact that boxers are not affiliated with anyone but themselves. They don't have a network to fall back on, an obvious an obvious network to fall back on. I'm not suggesting that they're all alone, but what I mean is a natural camaraderie around the footballers who are all together as part of one team, as part of the backroom staff that support them, etc., etc. So we'll t I was talking to Jordan Foster about this. Big shout out to Jordan Foster. This is the very thing him and I were talking yes. about. And what I said, what Jordan and I said, look, in a football club, you can be thick as two short planks. <laughs> you can be thick as two short planks, right? The club has a machine behind it that will just slot you in somewhere and say, look, you go and do this. You go to that children's hospital. Go and give a few footballs to the kids. And so you don't even have to think for yourself, right? And that's fantastic. When you're a boxer, you have to think for yourself. You can't wait for people. Yeah. But there are so exactly. many people that these boxers know that could answer these questions for them. They're, they're choosing not to, Andy. This is why I have no sympathy. This is an active choice that boxers are making right now. They're making a choice and that says, all I'm going to do is train. That's it. And that's what seems so impressive about Joseph Parker. Because Joseph Parker is so down, like so far down that matchroom pecking order. He's got to be the, what, fifth, sixth, seventh priority heavyweight, if he's lucky. And so, by no means has Hearn been the one setting up these videos for him to do. He's done that off his own back. And good on him, because they're phenomenal. Yeah, I love that. Take a few risks, be vulnerable. Here's the thing I like about what Parker's done. He's gone, look, I can be vulnerable. I don't always have to be a hard man. I can have a bit of fun. So now you're like, oh, okay, I can engage with him now. And now I've seen his wife and his kids, and I can see they can all like have a bit of a laugh as a family. Brilliant. That's the kind of person I want to see. Yeah. He has gone so far up in my estimations. It's yeah. unbelievable. But but look at these look at these fucking rats, right? All I get is training videos. Yeah, still training, still ready. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck Corona. Corona can't get me down. I'm like you ignorant motherfuckers. That's an hour of your life. What are you doing with the other 23 hours? Because you're not allowed to do anything else. You're at home. What are you doing at home? Joe, I wouldn't even mind if you had like a O'Hara Davis versus Anthony Fowler battle on FIFA. Let them play. Just anything. Just leverage. Yeah. Leverage what's in boxing now and say, look, we've got to give the fans something back. And yeah. it pains yeah, me exactly. to say this, Andy. It pains me to say this. The one guy you have to tip your hat off in all of this is Eddie Hearn because he's got off his ass, and he doesn't have to. But Hearn's got off his ass. I don't know how many of those live videos he's done with various people, and we can complain about the fact that they all feel a bit like towing the company line, but at least he's done it. Did anyone see when Charlo, <laughs> Charlo just ran him over? When, like <laughs> When Charlo was on the punch bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say to him? Talk to Al. Why don't you talk? You, you don't play with me, Eddie. Talk to Al. <laughs> and then all Hearn can say is, I thought Al wasn't a promoter. Ah, uh, dear. See, uh, you can see that Eddie knows that it's important to keep a profile, to keep people engaged. Like, he has that wherewithal. Why do you not boxers to do the same thing? Because ultimately, they'll all benefit from it. You know, maybe maybe boxers tend to go jump. I don't know, but it would make sense if he was like, right, I've got if if I keep 
not only myself, but my top matchroom fighters engaged in, a, in sort of, you know, the, uh, with, with the fans. When we come out of this, we're going to be the dominant boxing faces that people are interested in. Well, and I, we'll, suppose, we'll... I suppose he has. And <clears throat> all that criticism I gave earlier about no boxer, you know, giving a very, very short video about how to throw a punch. He's got one of his world champions to do that. I forgot about that. Who? Billy Joe Saunders. For fuck's sake. Yeah, I mean, it just so happens that he's about to throw a punch on your missus if she's getting a bit leery during lockdown. Hasn't he had his boxing license removed for that? <laughs> uh, no, they haven't. So because oh, the, board, the board can't meet yet, so... Uh, I'm not sure they've actually taken his license, so they basically said he's going to be in trouble when we can get together. Ah, oh, I thought they had. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Makes sense. But, but, but yo, even, uh, even, even if they do... But even if they do, though, he'll, he's, not, he's unlikely to box here for a while. Well, we don't know that yet, but his plan was never to box here, was it? It was, I'll fight Canelo, I'll fight Golovkin, and I'll probably call it a day after that. I think it was the, the Billy Joe Saunders plan. But now the Canelo fight's dead. Um, Canelo and Golovkin have gone off together. It looks like Benny Joe is either Gabe Rosado or Callum Smith for him, really, or even Rocky Fielding, God help us. And that's how, that's how dire boxing is at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Painful. I mean, Tyson Fury, he's handed back his um, British boxing license. He did it a while back. Yeah. Vegas now. He's so just Vegas. He, uh, there's another guy who's given a lot back. Give Fury credit. Like, his profile's been really good because aren't his workouts yeah. on the BBC? Uh, I don't know. On the, I think they're on the website. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. So, so, so he's done well, like, with the, the kids and the wife. Yeah. And he's, he's projecting that right image now. Like, you know where you're like, ah, he wasn't so bad after all, was he? Look at him. Oh, family man. Oh, bless him. And meanwhile, we've got to touch on Femi. It wouldn't be right to, to not address this. Femi. No, no, we, 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 we have to. So, so if you remember, the pub shut on the Friday, right? Everyone's meant to be locked down, right? When he went out dirt biking. <laughs> he went out dirt biking, and it looked like they were just having a fucking barbecue. There's like 20 of them all having a barbecue. He's just hanging out with people. And then he disappeared. He went down with his at one point. Was he what? Were they down at the shops at one point? Yeah. <laughs> Which raises another question. Why is Anthony Joshua hanging around some, like, corner shops of his mates? What are you doing? He's a man of the people. Yeah, yeah. People's champion. But... Well, I, I can only guess what he might have been doing, but... <laughs> but... God's sake. And, and what I find what? interesting is... <laughs> no flower. No one picked up on that. Like, not one media outlet has asked Eddie Hearn about that. But I also... Because yeah, that's so shocking, isn't it? After fucking driving around with fucking chimpanzees in a golf cart, no one noticed. <laughs> but, but no, no, remember, it wasn't that long ago that he was in Westminster Abbey giving a speech about the Commonwealth. So, so this is a guy who, who's positioning himself as an establishment figure, and you're flouting the most basic of guidelines, which is stay at home. Like respect social distancing from criticism. That's what I don't get. It's like it's like he's invisible. Yeah, he's got you a know, shield. 
Yeah, it's almost like it could literally do anything. You know when um, Anna Deck, you know when Ant McFarlane like, fucking did all that, like, crashed his car, got all drunk? You feel like if that were to happen, if that were to happen to Joshua, you'd, be like, you'd, you'd probably, you might even, hit, you might see like a video of it and you'd be like, oh, here we go. And it just disappears and no one ever talks about it ever again. Wait a minute, what the fuck? <laughs> it just, whatever he does, just disappears and it never, you never hear about it again. It can be as bad as it's been with like, like I say, chimpanzees in a fucking golf cart dressed in fucking dresses or whatever. They didn't have bikinis on. They had bikinis on, didn't they? And he's fucking driving around and, fucking, and, and yet no one says anything. So like, how much more mental does it need to be? Well, here, here, yeah, but, but Andy, it goes to the heart of how this game works, right? If you if you look at some of these these camera monkeys with their silly little microphones asking questions, imagine being a grown man and asking another grown man if you can ask him questions. Like, it's the most must be the most emasculating thing you could do if you've got testosterone running through you. But these well, guys. What question? You have, to just, you have to just beg them. Excuse me, sir, can I ask you some questions, please? Imagine that was your life. You're a man in your 30s. You've got to go, excuse me, can I ask? That's what you send the work experience boy to do. Like, hey, hey, lad, you got to ask him some questions. Yeah, tell me what he says. We'll make some content out of it. Yeah. That's why, that's why no, no, that's why Uma IFL is, like, the number one guy, because he's a young guy, and he's doing this. And I get that. Like, when you're young, it's like a gap year. You've got to do this. But you can't be 30, man. You can't be a family man and be begging grown men to... How are you going to go home and look at your kid, man? You're a failure. <laughs> but, but it, goes back, to the, it, it goes, it goes back to this video content model, right? You need Hearn to, to do your numbers, real or imagined. It doesn't matter. You need Hearn to do your numbers. So Hearn will say to you, I'm not, I'm not answering any questions about Joshua that make me feel uncomfortable. So don't ask me about... Don't ask me about him being this or being that. Otherwise, you know what I mean? You don't get access. You don't get any matchroom access, so you can't do your numbers. You see? That's what ends up happening. So, so all these guys that are around, like when you see these, these twats milling around at press conferences, they dare not ask these questions. The people who asked those questions, if you remember, were in America. And in America, Hearn has now just gone, forget this, I will pay for Coogan to fly with me. I'll pay for Rodent to fly with me just so I've got friendly faces I can leak content to. Because the Americans basically pulled his trousers down, got the broomstick, and just shoved it right in there till it came out of his nostrils. Uh, but yeah, the whole, the whole Joshua thing is mental. You're right, White. It's, uh, it's fucking strange. Because don't forget, like, we haven't seen this guy at all. And if you've seen any, he looks like he's been ill, almost like he had symptoms, which is why we haven't seen Joshua. I wouldn't be surprised if he caught Corona, and that's basically why we haven't seen him. He hasn't been visible. Down the job. Drop down to lightweight. Did you see when he did the, the interview where he was trying to call out Fury, and he honestly looked like he just walked out of jail, like he just looked, looked in a bad way. Uh, actually, just going on from that, what in terms of the heavyweight scene, um, just because it's one of the most high, high profile at the moment, does this change anything? Like, and, and it's largely, yeah, all I know about boxing, but 
right. Uh, if people don't know that by now, I don't know what to tell them. But yeah, um, yeah. So does this change anything in regards? Have we heard anything about, for example, Dylan White, twenty twenty one February? Has that changed? Have they not bothered saying anything about it? Like, does this change any um, uh, mandatories, etc., whatever? Uh, didn't Barry Hearn come out and say this makes my name appear in Jeffrey Epstein's little black book? So, uh, <laughs> I got a question about that the other day. It's like, why does it ever get talked about? I don't know. I honestly don't know. There's some things in the world, as I discussed, that are just Teflon that just seem to fucking disappear. The only question is, what's he supplying or procuring? That's all I want to know. Look, he's a man, what is he, in his 70s, 75s? I'd be more shocked if he wasn't doing that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Disappointed. Like, wait a minute, you've got all this money and you're not. What's wrong with you? (laughs) I'm not saying that he was. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be more surprised if it wasn't going on. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, as you, were, as you were saying... Pretty sure he said it was 90, 95% certain that Fury would face Joshua in 2021 as a result of all of this. You've got... Well, I suppose you... I'd like to think this has jolted people into thinking, actually, this is not a, just a foregone conclusion, but 2021, 2022... Like when they say, we've got to plan five years ahead. If you think about it... If if this if this virus had, um, I think it was bird flu, H1N1 had a sixty percent death rate, but the virility of it was nowhere near what we've got now. If you combine the two, and it had wiped out lots and lots of people, then you know you've got to sort of live in the moment, as what I'm talking about, and not be marinating fights for five fucking years at a time. Like maybe this changes the perception of what they need to do moving forward with, with, with their scheduling. Is that wishful? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you who it does hurt, though. It, if you're the zone and you've got that, that hundreds of millions of dollars worth of debt that you, you're still paying off now, and who the hell's going to subscribe to the zone now? No one. So they're just paying off debt. So they're, they're looking at Hearn like, listen, De La Hoya's given us Canelo versus Triple G. Your turn now. If you still want to be part of this gang, you gotta you gotta step up too. Well, they didn't get Canelo Triple G on the zone, did they? That, that well, was before the zone. Uh, no, no, no. The, the, September when it comes up in September, that will be on the oh, zone. Oh, the upcoming one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm with you. So, yeah, so what does it what what does it potentially change? Because you were going to say something, Martin, before Terry just mentioned that. No, it goes back to what Terry was saying earlier, that people won't accept the dog shit warm-up, you know, tick-over, whatever you want to call it. Like, now, granted, I don't subscribe to Sky anyway, but all those people who have put it on pause, (coughs) because you can do with your Sky subscription, there are going to be X percentage of people that don't have a job to go back to. So everybody's purse strings potentially get... Tightened on the back of this, and it's going to become decisions about what is or isn't worth paying for. If you don't deliver a quality product, people aren't going to pay for it. 
And that is going to be more relevant and prevalent now than at any other point in our lifetimes. And so you better, as I said earlier, I don't, I don't think Eddie Hearn has enough money to buy my interest when boxing returns in terms of me going out and buying a ticket because I've got so many other things that I want to be doing. That you couldn't make, so I might, I might be in on a Saturday night and catch it, but I'm not going to book time out of my diary seven weeks in advance to, to guarantee that I'm going to attend something. And so you've got to make shit hot stuff. And I don't think there is enough shit hot stuff out there. When you go back, Terry was throwing out the names earlier, Billy Joe, Callum Smith, Rocky Fielding, nah, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Although Rocky Fielding's fuck his dag deal was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, the Canelo, the glory days. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, you're right. Like, that, that, is, that is part of the reason why I'm only interested in the heavyweight scene, because there's nothing... Like, when, when Pacquiao Mayweather with a, with a sort of, like, the big show, the big draw of boxing, that sort of... It was... It, it was it shined a magnifying glass on that area of, area of the sport. When, you know, I, I went uh, to Frost Crows 2, and I, I think that was the very, very beginning days of me really getting into boxing. And I wasn't, I wasn't really, I hadn't watched Frost Crows, the, the original fight, live, because I just, you know, I wasn't that interested in it at that point. So it's, it was, it's a case of, at the moment, there is, it seems to be the red hot areas of boxing are the areas that everyone goes, yeah, we'll do that in 12 months' time. We'll do that in on the never-never, basically. <laughs> Everything you want to see is being told to you that it needs to wait for longer than you want to wait for. Yeah, because when everything was going fine, before all of this happened, Usyk Chisora was signed off as a pay-per-view. Yeah. Right, now, right now, do I care about that? No. If they no. put it on tonight, if they put it on tonight, I'm watching it. If they put it on when I can suddenly reclaim my own diary, I'm not that asked. Oh, but okay, but what about then if they opened the doors to boxing and that was the first show that headlined Usyk Chisora? Okay, do you but think but right. it's pay-per-view? I'm sure it would be. Do I think it should be? It depends how far you're talking in because... Is that going to be seven weeks after every other sport was kicked off? As we said, boxing has this scheduling issue whereby everyone else can get going pretty much on week one. Boxing doesn't. And so... Well, I guess what I'm getting at, you can either look at this two ways. You can either look at it as this will force promoters to put on good fights or it's promoters will be thinking to themselves, right, the public will be dying for some boxing. So the first show put on, doesn't matter how good it is, people will buy it. I think the first show that anyone puts on, we touched on it earlier, the first show anyone puts on will be a trial one, just to see what it's like in a studio, what's it like when there's no fans, how many people actually, you know, care to watch. And so the first one's not going to be a massive show, but Usyk Chisora, I think... Right now, with retrospective eyes, and granted, retrospective is only talking about six weeks ago, is the height of bullshittery pay-per-view. 
It is. Like, right now, if you ask me, you know, you say to me, every sport restarts tomorrow, but in seven weeks' time, you're going to get Usyk Chizora. Will you pay for it? Not a fucking hope. Because in seven weeks' time, I've ingested all the sport I can possibly... It's like Terry's end of Ramadan, you know, that three-hour window. As soon as sport... As soon as sport reopens, I'm going to be ingesting what I can. Seven weeks after, yeah. Well, as I say, everything after that initial gorging of sport, it loses the interest somewhat. And don't get me wrong, as soon as boxing's back, I'll be buzzing for it, I'm sure. But we're going to struggle to get people to book that time in their diaries. And, and because it's not going to be live events, I, I, I'm convinced there'll be no live crowd participation at these events. I'm convinced by that. And because of that, we all have to adjust to a, a new reality. And, you know, and it's down to small things like how many times will Adam Smith have to apologise for the language, seeing as we will be able to hear all the corners just effing and blinding. That'd be incredible. You know, <laughs> maybe, maybe that'll be the one good thing that does come of it. And they'll stop fucking apologising. They'll just say, you know, be aware, this, this sporting event will contain bad language and that'll be it. And maybe that'd be the one good thing to come out of it is they stop swearing in the corners. <laughs> <laughs> Punch him harder, you brute. Terry, you're a wrestling fan, isn't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I have so much respect for, for what those guys are still trying to do. It's weird watching it I now. Watched, I, watched, I watched some of the first night of WrestleMania just because I was at start of sport. I sat up on the was it the Saturday night the first one was that which night was the Undertaker? I, I didn't. I think that was the first night, but I didn't stay up that late. I couldn't. I was so fucking bored of it, if I'm honest, that I fell asleep. I'm not gonna lie, I did. And do you know how I felt when I was watching the Undertaker? Corny. <laughs> God's sake! <laughs> no, so. You're, you're right. It was... Because when they said they were going to do WrestleMania, you're like, fuck, you know, what are, they, what are they thinking here? But they delivered. So, yeah. so I saw the John Cena-Bray Wyatt match and I saw the, jo uh, the Undertaker versus uh, AJ Styles match. The other two I really saw. Then the other stuff was just kind yeah. of... Ugh. I watched some Oriental girls fighting some other girls. Um... <laughs> Uh, Are you sure that was WWE? Yeah, I think I think it was. But it was to be a viewer of that. They were doing it in the development center. Is that right? Yeah, the performance center. Yeah. So they were still going through all the motions of a WWE match, and so the baddies were still taunting out to the crowd. But there no, wasn't. Oh, this is, this sounds fascinating. So there was no crowd there. It was just in an empty centre. So you've got an MC that announces who's coming down and the goodies bounce down to the ring like showing off their belts or whatever and the baddies come out, you know, like taunting a non-existent crowd. <laughs> and so when they... <laughs> Almost like some fucking video game, you just turn off the crowd and the yeah. AI just continues acting like it's still there. Yeah, you have to slow down the frame rate on the game so you turned off the crowd because your processor wasn't quite good enough. <laughs> and 
Yeah, so like the baddies would do some shit house moves and then turn around and start to, to taunt the crowd that wasn't there. <laughs> and so, eerie. But I was watching this thinking, how would this translate to boxing? You know, like some boxers feed off of that crowd interaction. Derek Chisora, you know, go back to that Monaco fight against Cabriel. He was dreadful. And granted, Don Charles never went with him for it. There were a lot of complications behind the scenes. Um, but long and short, Derek Chisora was terrible that night. At a dinner show in Monaco. How will boxing react to being in a studio with nobody there other than like a couple of commentators and a ref and your cornermen? How does that impact the sport? It, the sport thrives on engagement with an, a live audience. It's going to be yeah, I think weird. Yeah. weird right? yeah. Will it actually be conducted in a situation such as that? Or will they... That's what Frank Warren's talked about it because he said they've got the advantage in that they did. Um, how many shows last year in front of me? So um, they did. <laughs> uh, what was it called? Like the the one where you had to. It was like boxing mixed with um, something else, but in a cage. Um, fuck, I don't know what it was called, but it was done in a TV studio, so there was no live crowd. And you got a certain bonus if you knocked them out within like two minutes and then less if it was within three minutes or, or something like that. So he was saying we've got experience of doing that kind of show already. So they're kind of one step ahead. So I think the challenge with that is that you, with wrestling, I'm following a storyline. The event's almost incidental to the bigger picture. I'm like, so I can, I can, I can ignore a lot of practical things. So if they taunt the crowd, I understand it's part of a storyline because obviously it's... Ahara Davis, have you seen Ahara Davis and Anthony Fowler? I'm aware of it. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm on, and I know both of the boxers, but I don't, I don't know anything to do with the beef. So outline it for me. Yeah, I'll flesh it for you a little bit. Um, so Devin Haney, this starts with Devin Haney. It doesn't start with Anthony Fowler and Ahara Davis. Um, so Devin Haney is an American world champion by female via WBC uh, comes out with a comment of I'll never get beaten by a white boy oh yeah uh, that tweet yeah okay so yeah. he comes out he comes out with that comment and then Anthony Fowler because Anthony Fowler needs to comment on everything that happens like in the universe um, <laughs> he comes out with a tweet that is so stupid so stupid. Where uh, I mean, he's blocked on my Twitter, so I, I wouldn't know what he said. But what did he say? You, what you blocked Fowler? Yeah, because he's a ballsack. Literally, he's never he never actually done anything directly to me. But I hate him so much that it's worth blocking him just to make myself feel better. Like I've done at least I've done something positive. So speaking of ball sacks, Sam Jones um, puts out a tweet about something. I can't remember. Fowler responds to him with a picture from his last fight where he was fighting um, some dude. It was a late replacement because his actual opponent fell out. And the dude was terrible, like fell over every 30 seconds. 
Fowler puts up a picture of him knocking the bloke over. The guy is black. And he, Fowler says, oh, would this be okay then if I wrote back, or if I said, um, isn't no black boy on ice skates ever going to beat me? Or something like that. Which you think, mate, are you fucking brain dead? Are you actually, have you had a lobotomy? Like, you don't need to involve yourself in this argument. You don't need to tweet something that if people took it out of context, can offend people. Like, oh, how fucking stupid do you need to be? Well, I mean, so he, if you tweet so about he that, <laughs> So he tweets that, and Ahara Davis then gets involved, saying, um, I, can't, I can't remember his... We'll wait till Terry comes back to give the... Because um, I'm sure he'll remember exactly what Davis put, but... Didn't he yeah, just dig up an old Fowler like, tweet? Yeah. He, he dug up was the tweet about, about Muslims or something, yeah. Which apparently is a fake tweet, but I don't know. But I'll I t- um, tell you what got O'Hara in, because I think I tweeted something like, I wonder how Eddie Hearn will deal with this, because you know if this was O'Hara Davis, like, he'd have been slapped down yeah. immediately and publicly too. Yeah. Um, and so then Fowler and Davis start going off at it. And Davis, what is it Hara said? Something about all people from Liverpool are racist, wasn't it? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Fowler was saying, I'll come up here and we'll sort it out on the cobbles and blah, blah, blah. Um, but Fowler, like, you see that shit of his CBD oil the other day where he put out a video of a young child. Anyone see that? Uh, was this the, no, the, the no, 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 no. Okay, so there's a, a... He was posting about his CBD oil, as he does. Is it, is it, it was, is it like when the kid's having a fit? Yes, that's the one. Right, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I did see it, yeah. Yeah, I, so, I saw it. I saw it. Someone had gone... Someone had... One of our one of our listeners had commented on something. It said, <laughs> the content you're trying to view is blocked. So I unblocked him to watch this shit video and then re-blocked him again. That's how I know he's definitely blocked. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a young child having a fit who is... Uh, I've not really watched the video that much. So Andy, you might have to explain. But I think given CBD oil, and that stops him having a fit. Is that right? Yeah, they they I, I I from memory, and it was a while since I uh, since I watched it, but they drip it onto his tongue, don't they? Yeah. So mm. right, he puts that out with one of his many 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 tweets about buy my CBD oil. Someone on Twitter went and found that child's mother on Facebook and sent her the tweet saying. Do you know this like middling boxer in England is using your son to promote his CBD oil? Oh, <laughs> oh dear. And she sent a message back saying, absolutely not. That is not endorsed by us. That is not, I'm not happy with that. And so this person on Twitter starts tweeting it to Fowler saying, mate, this is bang out of order. You're using a young child in agony. Um, to promote your products without having any reference back to that family or without having consulted that family. 
and it's uh, almost like Anthony Fowler is a massive bellend, isn't it? <laughs> it's almost like he's the sort of person that if he was in a fight and someone was on their knees, he'd continue punching them. You know that sort of that sort of level of ball sack. But you know, do you know what it is with boxers? No, but do you know what it is with boxers, right? If you strip their ability to throw punches, right, to a to a high level of standard, these would be the guys that you would just give a psychic to in school. You'd be like, listen, mate, you're a fucking idiot. You shut up. Bang. Right? Because they're all idiots. All that kind of makes them difficult to deal with is the fact that if they're within arm's reach of you, they might knock you out. That is it. It's rare that you meet a boxer who's got three or four brain cells that actually work in concert together who has a contextual understanding of a world outside of boxing, because this is what happens. Fowler says something dumb, and all these other boxers from the Northwest go, it's just a bit of banter. And what they don't realize yeah. is the thick shit we say in a boxing change room after a really tough training session isn't really stuff that's for public consumption, because <laughs> that, yeah. it's, it's a different world. And boxers are too stupid to realize that. You know, the number of times you hear stuff being dismissed as banter. So, like, when Billy Joe did his thing about this is how you, you punch your wife, and you're thinking to yourself, at what point did you think that this would be a good idea? Bearing in mind, Billy Joe, that since 2008, you've been doing stupid things like this. Yeah. When will you ever change? Like, like, look, how can you have the same career at two different promoters? I don't understand that. And now Hearns. What was, one, what was the one Josh Taylor did the other day? Fuck me, he put out uh, you know Strava or one of the similar apps where you can track your exercise. Yeah. He puts up a tweet posting his four-hour bike ride. Well, as a run. No, as a bike ride. Oh, okay. But he put like a stat saying I was out for these hours, like four hours and whatever it was, sixty miles. Like, mate. Yeah, the government, the government guideline isn't, isn't one hour unless you're a professional athlete, therefore you can do four hours. <laughs> like, we're all being asked to do exactly the same thing, to stay indoors, apart from that one hour where you go out and exercise, or for essential shopping. We're all being asked to do the same thing. Not that fucking difficult, not that fucking hard, and none of us really want to be doing it. Therefore, if you are going to go and do it for four hours, don't post the fucking Strava stats onto your Twitter when you're meant to be a world champion who's setting an example. And then you get other fucking dickheads going, oh, yeah, he's on a bike. It don't matter, does it? He's going past people. It's not like you'd see other people. You are fucking idiot if that's your <laughs> argument but behind it. You know what? This if is that's your argument behind it, because... On that basis, we'll all go out on bikes for four hours, and then we'll have loads of people on bikes, and then we'll all be like within one and a half meters of one another, and then we'll all be contracting it. You fucking idiots! So here's my issue with all of this, and it goes back to remember we we spoke in the podcast before this one, and we said our worst nightmare for boxing is we end up with boxers doing nothing but posting training videos. Right? I said, that will be the worst thing for boxing. That's how the sport will die. And what have, we, what have we had since? We've either had boxing videos that involve training and not much else, or Martin Bacoli, Billy Joe Saunders 
just fucking up, royally fucking up. And, and in all of this, Hearn doesn't seem willing to exert any kind of discipline over his stable. I mean, there's probably a limit to how much firefighting he can do at a distance, isn't it? I mean, you probably knew when this happened, he thought, oh, bollocks, all the, all the you know, numb nuts are going to start fucking up big time. It's like, it's like trying to, you know, all the year eight kids that are on like special reports at school. It's like he's got to try and control all of them. Yeah. But they've all yeah, got yeah. phones and they've all got Wi-Fi. If you, I, again, bringing it back to football, which, whatever, it is what it is, that's the sport I know most about, but that you don't find, generally speaking, you don't, <laughs> you don't find footballers speaking their actual mind on Twitter. What you get... No, you do, is you from, do find them in dickhead. What you find more... Well, I love the. I, love, I can't remember which footballer it was now, but the footballer posted who posted the tweet that went, "Post something like this," uh, <laughs> and then went on to say, "Like great day with the fans, love the atmosphere." Da 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 da, and he posted it word for word, so it was actually the message got sent. Don't forget the Dillian White one though, where he put out like some text and a video, and then at the bottom of the text it had in brackets, "Put video underneath here." Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, was, it wasn't a video, something that, that contextually should have come from him. Yeah, yeah, it was meant to be like Wilder being a chicken or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but yeah. it was something along those lines. But yeah, footballers are also idiots, like Kyle Walker having a fucking orgy or whatever it was. Um, and Moise Keane. what that was about. I know he got called out. I didn't know. Uh, no, I think he got a load of pussies out and a load of his mates and just fucked them. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, yeah, and, and, and Moise, Moise Keane's done the same thing. Oh, I heard about Moise Keane, yeah. I, I heard, like, generally speaking, though, they're, they're the sort of standout characters that go and do something bizarre, a bit like what Billy Drew Saunders has gone and done. But for the vast majority of the players, they've got a machine behind them that if they want to interact with the fans, there is something that says to them, right, put this out, put this out, put this out. And it gives them some sort of, it gives them something to say online that can't get themselves into trouble. But similar to what Terry said, I mean, let's face it, someone who was, adept at promoting themselves on social media and a gifted boxer, you know, and the sort of like a gifted orator in front of large crowds, that would be a pretty special individual. So it's unlikely you're gonna find those those people ten a penny. Therefore, boxers need that help. They could really benefit with a machine behind them that would force them forward. But it seems to be that, you know, same it comes back to the same old thing again. Like, if there was something behind them, boxers aren't really interested because what they really want is to be that standout boxer at the end of it who's writing his own checks. That's what they all dream of doing rather than being part of something bigger. Andy, the lazy fuckers, man. Like, like don't, don't, don't imbue these guys with any qualities greater than they have. They're lazy. If you think about how long you spend training as a boxer, you probably spend two hours tops in a day training, right? That leaves 20 hours. Take eight away for sleeping. You've got 12 hours in a day to be productive and be valuable and be interesting and do something. And yet we're still wondering what these guys actually do. So they're lazy. The difference between them and footballers is very simple. 
Footballers have people that manage their social media accounts, as do certain high-level boxers. And you understand why people pay for their accounts to be managed when you see what happens with Billy Joe and you see what happens with Josh Taylor. Now you realise why you need someone who's got, as I said earlier, a few brain cells that work in concert together. Because otherwise, you end up telling people how to beat up their wives. At a time when domestic violence incidents are going up, where... Yeah, it couldn't have timed that any worse, could it? You know, and you can't even think... You got Think about this, right? There are kids who can't go to school that are in abusive families. There are wives that can't go to work that are in abusive situations. Look, in some cases, there are husbands that are that are getting abused and terrorised and all sorts of things. And no one's got an escape route. And here's Billy Joe going, do you know what will be funny at a time like this? It's almost as if him and Tyan Booth have never separated themselves from each other. And Tyan's like, Billy, I've got an idea for you. Like, like I was going to try it, but, you know, I'm in YouTube's bad books. Why don't you try doing a video on how you'd beat up a woman? And Billy's yeah, just yeah, going, yeah. But Billy, Billy, this idea is too stupid for even me. Why didn't you do it? <laughs> But I'll say once again, another guy who comes out of this with glory is Eubank Jr. Yeah, he's gone off with Roy Jones, isn't he? Yeah, so Eubank Jr.'s basic lockdown has been some really good tweets just saying, look, everyone just needs to show love to the NHS. Look, everyone, let's get through this together. And he's locked away on Roy Jones' farm, learning how to box with Roy Jones. And I love him because he's not one of these guys that goes, oh, mate, what goes on in the gym is sacred. It's all secretive. You know, he's not like that. He's, I like the fact that he's open and he lets fans look in. But one of the things I've said to people is if you look at Eubank Jr., Eubank Jr. is a celebrity who can box. Like, yeah. He's like a, like a really, 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 really good KSI. Yeah. In that he's... Because Eubank doesn't have many boxing mates. He's not, he's not in the boxing world. He never has been. He's always been a, like, that kind of, that celebrity lane is more his thing. An outsider. Yeah. 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 Hey, I was meant to ask you, are you doing um, coaching with your lads still? Nah, what, what can you do? Like, I, I didn't know, like, because every other sport you hear about, I don't know, play football, they're doing Zoom training sessions, and my wife's doing, like, Irish dancing sessions over video calls. I wasn't sure if, like, is boxing doing anything? So there's not much you can do. So generally, and we're all on the same regime, so we're all trying to get out and do some running. We're doing some basic body weight exercises just to keep a base level of strength. But the truth is, to... Step through the ropes and fight requires a level of sharpness and fitness that the lockdown just strips away from you. Like no one involved in boxing right now is in a is in any kind of condition to be fighting in a ring. No one is. Billy Joe's. <laughs> well, in a kitchen, maybe. But that's the challenge you have. So what I said to the guys, and I, I was honest, and I, I think most boxers should embrace this. You take such a battering year after year. Don't do anything. So I said to people, for the first three weeks of this lockdown, don't do anything. Eat good food, eat regularly, sleep a lot, let your body heal up. If you're going to do anything, work on your decision-making, 
watch old fights, make decisions, understand what, you know, just keep making decisions. Watch your fight, pause it, go, right, what should happen next year? If you're wrong, cool, it doesn't matter. The more decisions you make, the better a boxer you become. And I like to keep loving, so I keep it relatively simple like that. Train your mind in this time, and then when it comes down to train the body, we can always ramp that up when the time's right. But a lot of people are blowing this opportunity to become more educated in the sport that they want to make a living from. They're just running, doing dips, and doing push-ups. But that's not going to help you develop because you are already fit enough to box. You're already punching hard enough. The next level actually is can you, can you actually use your brain to, to misdirect, to set up attacks, to understand what someone's trying to do to you as well? And a lot of people are blowing that chance because, like I said, they don't, they don't want to listen. And when you do offer advice, well, it seems to just go over their head. So I, I, I'm just retrenching myself. I, I keep it close to a handful of guys that I work with officially and unofficially. And I just give my advice that way. And then we'll just pick up where we left off. Yeah, no, I wasn't sure. Because I say every other uh, sport, I mean, uh, you know, I play badminton. Badminton, you can't do anything. You know, like nobody's got a fucking court at home. You can't go and take it outdoors because the wind fucks you up. And you need other people to join in. Boxing, you know, what are you going to do? There's shadow boxing, but that's limited. Um, you need a, a fairly handy pad man to be like, happen to be in isolation with you. And it's the intensity, like, that, that, and that's the thing you cannot replicate is it's the intensity. So weirdly enough, I bumped into, I was running, and I bumped into a couple of the, the Harlequins players, and we were just talking about the different sports. And, and what they were saying was, well, we can't do any contact. And the essence of rugby is contact. We can't do any contact. So what do you do after a while? You do a bit of running, you sharpen your individual skills, but you can't, you can't do the thing that the game's really about. And I think that's the challenge you have with boxing as well. Boxing is really about hitting people, and you can't do that. And, and once you can't do that, the general level of intensity drops by about 60%. So then you almost think, are you wasting your time doing all the other stuff? Probably. If, if only there were some boxers interviewed who would say, oh, I really miss going to the gym, and I really miss punching people, and I can't wait to get back and punch people. I've not read any of those or seen any of those interviews. <laughs> hey. <laughs> But look, here's, here's the reality. Every boxer has had a chance because every media outlet now is gagging for content, right? They will interview anyone. Yeah. Anyone. And, and if you're a boxer and you're not getting picked up, you're not getting interviewed, it's, it's not a good look. Like, I'm trying to think, who did I? I just really just did Denzel Bentley because he was the one that I found compelling enough where I was like, yeah, I think we could have a good conversation. Outside of that, no one's really put their hand up. No one's really done anything that's caught my interest. So I'm like, Meh, I don't need you. you know? The one that's been interesting, I know you're a big fan of her, is um, Eddie Scottney. Yes, yes. She's yes. been doing the B&Q work. Yes, and she's managed to get herself in the paper. And, and so her, me, me and Elle like, will message each other a fair bit. And like, that's one of the messages I gave to her. I said, look. I said to her, Elle, no one's going to do this for you. I know you've missed your debut, 
but no one's going to do this for you. Start leveraging on your network to start getting your opportunities. Because the thing I like about Ellie is she's got that style that even if you don't like women's boxing, she's got that style where you're familiar with that kind of marauding, loads of hooks and uppercuts, nice little crisp jab. She's got that that you can watch her. It's not just one, two, jump back, one, two, jump in, one, two, jump back. It is, let's have it. And so I'd like to see how she gets on in the pros. Yeah, but I think she's come over really well during the, uh, the whole lockdown. Yeah, she, yeah, she's a class act. Um, you know, no, there's no scandal around her, no drama around her. She, she lives for the sport and she engages widely as well, which is good. So no, she, you know, I've, wanted, I've waited for this for probably about three years now for, for the debut. She's class. I've just got a lot of time for her. No, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. We're actually in her box. Well, what, just because Steve had her on? <laughs> nah, she was lucky to get on Steve's show. Well, I don't know, man. I, you know, I said to her, because I, I didn't even realize she was doing it. I was like, okay, so you got, you're going to trade you're going to trade over a thousand spins for 82 views. All right, then. <laughs> I'll see you on the other side. Sometimes it's quality over quantity, Terry. Luckily, I carry both. <laughs> I remember when uh, when Terry was on Tinder and he had uh, a, a, an app that sat on top of Tinder that just bulked like a hundred women at a time, whatever the fuck oh, it was. His API that would sit over the top of Tinder. Yeah, that was when Terry discovered that quantity has a quality of its own. Mate, do you know what? So one of the mad things about the lockdown is everyone crawls out the woodwork because all of a sudden you're like, well, you're not that far away geographically, right? So you get these messages and it's like... <laughs> and so the thing is, because my, because, my time, because my time is precious, right? Like, oh, here we go. My time is legit <laughs> precious. Like, I don't, I don't even have time to send messages I don't want to send. So I'm like, look. I'll stick it for the letterbox. You can have a suck for ten seconds. <laughs> nah, you know, and Andy, not even that. I'm just like, I'm like, look, I'm like, look. You're sending me fucking letters and punctuation marks here, man. Like, this isn't my sort of language. You know that by now. So, I mean, if you're not serious about this, like, get the fuck out, get the fuck off my phone. But there's nothing you can do. Like, <laughs> here's the here's the reality, though. I'm trying, like. The thing I worry about most of all of this is the health of my mum, obviously, because she's in that kind of at-risk age. So, like, spiritually and morally, I'm like, even I have to behave myself. Because when this first happened and the numbers were, like, quite low, I was like, mate, they sent me home from work to work from home. Party house. That's what I thought originally. Yeah, party house. And then the numbers started to get a bit more serious. I was like, no, 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 no. So you end up having to make that, that tough decision on... What do I need to do? And you go, actually, look, principle number one, my time is precious. Therefore, if it doesn't make me happy, if it doesn't engage me, it doesn't force me to, to raise my game, I'm not doing it anymore. That means a lot of stuff in boxing I just ain't doing anymore. Um, even when it comes to these sort of trifling females, I ain't doing it anymore. Like, nice and simple. Um, we, have, we have lost Martin again. Well, you have. It's your call. 
Okay, uh, <laughs> I've lost mine for us, so I'll <laughs> I'll call us back. <laughs> okay. Come on, any fuck me. Jesus. Has it come out what he's allegedly done? Because I knew about it before he got uh, announced. What's so, he allegedly, possibly, allegedly done? Allegedly smacked his missus about. <sighs> so, yeah, so, like, so here's the weird thing about this whole story, right? At the beginning of the lockdown, Fitzgerald's in London. So he says, I'm moving to London so I can get my head down and train. So I think he'd just come out of the Sporting Chance Clinic. So, so this isn't stuff that isn't known. He said it himself, so uh, there's no legal action that can come from this. So he's in London for a bit. Clearly, just goes, right, I'm going back up to Preston. Yeah, goes up to see his missus. I think, yeah, I think he's a bit drunk, and like, he's there with his missus. They have an argument. The family all get involved. He kicks off. I know there was a picture of his missus uh, sporting with sporting what looked like injuries. I can't confirm or deny. And there were some text messages that were going back and forth within that kind of circle. I've seen I've seen those bits of it. It doesn't there paint him in a good light. Post. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Did you see the video, Martin? Of of basically, you got Fitzgerald larking about naked by a canal. No, I've seen one of him in a car saying, like, oh, when it all comes out, blah, blah, blah. Oh, when he's coming out the police station? Seen... Yeah, yeah. I've not seen one of them naked by a canal. No. You all right there, Andy? <laughs> did you just spunk? Andy, did you just spunk at the thought of Scott Fitzgerald naked by a canal? There's only so long a man can listen to your two voices and not spunk, to be fair. So. I, I thought it was the thought of a man who'd knocked out Anthony Fowler. Well, I mean, actually, no, he only knocked him down, didn't he? I'll take that back. He only knocked him down, yeah. So, yeah. But what he should have done was when he knocked him down, continue to climb on. Him. That's to foul away. <laughs> to jump on him. Yeah, exactly. So, what was the video by Canal? I'm intrigued. He's just basically being, you know, when you look at someone and you're just watching their kind of self destruction and you're like, I. Hearn must just. No, but at least with Hatton, there was like a a legacy of he had done stuff, really. And I think with Fitzgerald, you look at him and you go, no, 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 no. You haven't earned the right to, to, be, to be behaving like this yet. I think, I think he has. <laughs> I think he has. You know, it's, it's weird because, like, when you look at the nation's most beloved boxers, uh, and generally, that tends to go hand in hand with with like uh, financially successful. There's a large majority. I'm not saying all, but they have a heart. They quite obviously have a heart in them. You know, like they're they're good, wholesome guys, or at least they come across as in the, their public perception, which is why where I'm leading this down. So you've got Hatton who came across as just a regular guy, he's a nice guy, hang out with his mates, he had a beer with his mates in the pub. You've got like Frank, going going back for Frank Bruno was a nice, happy go lucky guy. You've got um uh Eubank, it was the, this weird England English eccentric, but it was it seemed like it was he was, like he was a villain at the time. Oh, but he, but yeah, he's turned that around, has he not? Yeah, 
But at the time, he wasn't he wasn't perceived as being a good bloke. Okay, all right. And bad example then is one of the others, not the majority I'm talking about. But like, boxers don't seem to. Nobody wants to sort of fit in that category, other than oh, what Annie Joshua. I mean, it, but he just comes across as lukewarm and a bit sort of like towing the company line. Like, boxers seem to con- conflate this idea of being a tough guy with being reckless idiot. But I think all those other people were reckless to some level. Don't believe Ricky Hatton wasn't reckless. Then what? Like, what? Stop, but do you think it was the fact that Twitter wasn't prevalent that they didn't? Yeah, yeah. He never had the ability to talk directly to four hundred thousand people. He had the ability to talk directly to a thousand people in the bar that he was in, and they would all worship the ground that he walked on. And if he made a dick of himself. So be it. It wouldn't get leaked out. It's the end of those boxes. No, just don't be a dick on social media. I, I agree with you, but it just doesn't seem to... I, why can they not see that... Because most of them are dick of shit. <laughs> Am, I wrong, good... Am I wrong? Uh, it's tricky. So, think about what most boxers are. They're, ki- they're, they're basically guys from, from a kid that went to school to the boxing gym to bed. From the school to the boxing gym to bed. If you really get to the top, you weren't knocking about with people too much. Your socialization was pretty much limited to the gym, which is just full of loads of people like you and coaches who will enable you. Now, let's go back to Terry Edwards, who was the, the GB coach in 2008. He enabled a lot of these behaviours. Look, look at who was in that squad. Frankie Gavin, look what's happened to him. Stephen Simmons, you know what happened with him. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders, uh, who else was in there that was fond of a drink? There's a few of those guys in there that were just fond of a drink. DeGale wasn't shy of a, of a drink or two either. Matty Ashton? Yes. So all of these guys, right, and then look at what happens to them. Because no one checks them for their, for their dumb shit that they do. No one says this is unacceptable. Because, I'll give you an example. If you've got a super talented kid in your gym that could win you an ABA title and maybe get, get to the Olympics, that does wonders for your club. So you will enable it. You, oh, you know what? Yeah, I know, but we've got to kind of swallow it until he does what he does. So the fear is, if you clamp down on him, you go to the club across the road, and now you've lost him after spending five years building him up. You've lost him. And so that's how a lot of trainers think. Even in the pro game, look look at Andy Ruiz, right? Manny Robles did an interview and was like, what did you want me to do with Andy Ruiz? Go to his house, pick him up, and drag him to training. And I was like, yes, motherfucker, yes. That is exactly what I want you to do because he was so close to securing his future and your future, and you just sat there waiting for him in the gym. Like, like yeah. uh, all, all of this stuff, like the, these, these little fucking twats get enabled at every stage. Even their promoter, like Hearn, enables this sort of re- re- recidivist, recidivist, can't even do it anymore, I want to use that word. I'm like Mayweather now, fuck. But, you know, all these base level behaviours that Frank and Eddie do enable, and I don't mind saying, I don't mind naming names because we know it's true. And they always get a second chance. Like, how many former dopers is Eddie Hearn going to work with, number one? Number two, 
How many times have you seen Eddie Hearn in pictures with gentlemen you can call steroid gurus? He's always in these pictures. And you're thinking to yourself, have you got no self-awareness here, Eddie Hearn? Or you just don't give a fuck? Why? Because he knows boxing fans are generally thick. And whatever he gives them, they generally lap up. So I can't even blame boxers and I can't even blame promoters anymore. As fans, this is the stuff people talk about. This is the stuff people enable. So if you want the change, here's your chance, right? Boxing, stop now. Do not go back to it until they offer you a fight that you would have paid to watch on pay-per-view. I don't think it's right to have any boxing content at the moment go out without a message to say uh, what a great man Daniel Kinahan is, who's been helping me out and is a great advisor. Yeah, he's done wonders for so many people in the boxing industry. For so many people. I might release a rap song about him. Um, uh, he, was, he was allegedly really supportive of Uma, IFL Uma, and you know, was an important mediator in resolving that issue in an expedient manner. He is the best advisor around as well. You know, even, look, people are even making rap songs now. <laughs> Probably cut that bit. Uh, I'm not doing any editing. Oh, shit. Okay, just for the record, that was, that was Andy White. All of that was Andy White. And he says, all of it was Andy White who wanted to bring up that subject. Okay. No, I want to bring up, I'll tell you what I do want to bring up though. Isn't it the weirdest PR campaign you've ever seen? Like, outside of, I'm not making any judgment upon Daniel Kinahan, good, bad, or indifferent. The whole PR campaign to bring Daniel Kinahan back into the sport of boxing is the most fucking mental thing I've ever seen. Whereby you, get a rap artist to record a song about a shooting at a Dublin hotel to say how it's all a stitch up and then you get everybody under the MTK banner to tweet about it at pretty much the same time yeah. <laughs> and, then and then expect us all to go oh that looks pretty organic free the Dublin one it's madness anyway sorry off the subject Probably seems sensible. Now, nah, the growth of, has anyone seen the, the, the growth of TikTok as a social media platform? Jesus. Oh, it does my head in that. I does. see it every, every minute of every day with my fucking stepdaughter. Oh. Wow. It's like, uh, it might as well, the adverts might as well, you know, you know all that social media you've been doing? Well, you've been missing something that'll make your life massively better, TikTok. But then when I, like, a little while ago, I was, I didn't understand what it was. So I downloaded it, and instantly all it did was just feed me videos. And then when I, when I came out of the app, it just kept pushing notification in, bang, 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 just giving me, watch this video, watch this video. I was like... Right, uninstall. Fuck off. That is, that is the worst thing about this lockdown is that I'm seeing single men my age who have got nothing better to be doing than making TikTok videos. <laughs> Fuck but, off. I was a single man for a long time. There's no way that I'd be making TikTok videos if that I was have at least, I have at least four blokes that I could name and shame, but I won't. Um, oh, that are like my kind of age 
that are making TikTok videos, either dancing or like with clips of films where you, I think you take like the original sound from the film, like the speech, and you kind of talk over it and then you switch the camera angle to another voice. I'm like, are you a fucking cunt? Do, do you know what it is well, for me? I, I've had this theory about, and you know, I know we talk about this whole crisis of masculinity and all this sort of stuff, right? There are a lot of guys, like, if you go back to when we were young, you know those guys that just weren't getting chicks? Like, they, they, they weren't even close to it. Like, even though you had a 50-50 split in each class, they weren't even close. Girls are like, listen, I, I, will, share, I will share that motherfucker with all three of you, then go with these fucking numbnuts. So it's those numbnuts that are doing all these TikTok videos because what they think is, if I get 10,000 likes, at least one of these fucking likes will sleep with me. Not realising, like, you're getting pity likes. You're not getting, like, God, I want this guy like, because then you get a DM. You're getting pity likes. And, like, pity likes are, oh, oh bless. I'd never sleep with him, but at least he's trying. And these guys don't even it's see them. It's the ones that on Facebook, when they post it on there, will put, like, the laughing face against it. You know, it's like, people, yeah, people that laugh at their own fucking jokes. You know those people that do that? They go, right, <laughs> got a joke for you. like, <laughs> And then they'll go, yeah, because cause Fred was a woman. <laughs> and everyone's kind of stood there, stony face, like, you're not funny. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I, I don't begrudge TikTok to the younger generation. Like, if my 11-year-old stepdaughter wants to go around doing dance moves and uploading some shitty video... Crack the fuck on, because I don't want to homeschool you, so that works for both of us. <laughs> but, like, much as we were having a conversation earlier, mine, on uh, on WhatsApp, about the crap our dads send to each other, like, men our yeah. age should be banned from TikTok. I, 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 that's what I feel. Anyone, anyone older than about 25 should be banned from TikTok. You know, how they, use, you know how they use age verification, where you have to put in, like, your day, month, year, like, yeah. if your year adds up to more than 25, you should not be allowed on it. Equally, if you're more than about, if you're older than about, I don't know, 50, about now, you shouldn't ever be allowed to produce a video that goes on WhatsApp. Because the amount of fucking spam, I, I get more annoyed at that than I do emails that start off like, Hello, my name is Mwamba, and I am a prince from Nigeria. It's like, no. at, at least that guy is in it for something. <laughs> like, at least I someone at the end of that was looking to steal some fucking cash. Fair dues, mate. Not some fucking lonely, tragic 65-year-old who thinks making a video about the fact that he's being held prisoner by his wife is at best irritating. At worst, it makes me send me into a fucking killing rage. Like that is that is the word, and does it because he thinks it's funny. But here's and the challenge: are the folks that send them on. And my old man used to listen to this podcast. I don't know if he still does or not. No, if no, he, he switched over to mine. <laughs> if you do, Dad, I love you. I can't wait to see you after all of this. Stop sending me shitty videos on WhatsApp. <laughs> oh man, no, no. Par, par, your parents are just doing that. As well. 
Like, see, my mum does it, but I just accept it now. Like, there's no point in me saying stop. She's not going to listen to me. She never nah, has done. I, I can't say stop to my dad, like, apart from via this medium. Because <laughs> I, don't even watch, I don't even watch him now. And I haven't got the heart, I haven't got the heart to, like, text him back going, stop sending me on. Because I'm clearly part of, like, a forwarding group that he just sends them to now. <laughs> I'm like... There's not even any, no thought gone into this, Dad, is there? There's nothing. But you see... Like, send, send me something that says you're thinking about me. Don't send me a fucking 65-year-old man, as White just described, but, making some fucking stupid video. We're facing a real problem here, though, because if, if you look at the social media platforms, they're all getting progressively older. So Facebook is essentially where your parents go to, to be cool. Right, so so yeah. like our generation kind of fucked off there, and then jumped on either Twitter or Instagram. Right, Twitter we go on just to be cunts to each other. Instagram we go on to just harass females. Like like let's just let's just be binary about this. Right, if it if you're listening to this, and you haven't had those sorts of DM conversations where, where you're getting OnlyFans content for free, then you're failing at this thing called Instagram. You're failing. Miserably, because right, I only I only registered an Instagram account last week. All right, so here's a tip. Here's a tip, Martin. Fo follow women with less followers than you. Do not follow women with like twenty thousand followers. You're not eating off those plates, my friend. Mate, less I have followers. About nine followers. Then you gotta find them other solitary fucking them loners, man. You gotta find them. Yeah, I also I also have a wife that listens to this podcast. So hi. I'm not, I'm not sure you're advising me how to eat off of women. <laughs> hey. Hey. Is, you can apply it to your marriage as well, man. I'm just, listen, I'm offering skills. I'm not, I'm not offering destinations. I'm just offering a set of skills, and you can choose to apply them wherever you choose, man. I, you know I me. Check out how many followers we've got. This is, this is the guy who sticks his cock through letterboxes. As, as a... <laughs> The maximum of 10 seconds. I've only ever done that once, and that was to piss in someone's letterbox. Like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> they threw me out of a house party, so I think I just came back. That sounds serious. Did you actually do that? Yeah. I didn't even remember. Someone actually had to tell me that I did that once. Right. There's, there's a lot of questions around that, because most letterboxes have, like, a front flap, like a woman. There, there's no question, and man. You know the answer. He stood at the end of the front of the drive and just fucking unrolled like it. a fucking fire hose. He just stuck it through the front. Unrolled it. <laughs> he pulled it out of the bottom of his trousers. <laughs> stuck it through the top window. <laughs> but yeah, no, those, those letterboxes are a good, like, they're a fair few inches, which if you're pissed and flaccid, to get it through both and then pissed, if not, you're just leaving that piss in the middle box bit. That might have happened. I, I can't verify the, the outcome, man. <laughs> yeah. I, just... I don't suppose he cared, really. It doesn't sound like no. he really cared what he pissed on. And what if, what if they had a dog on the other side? Then he would have been well fed and I'd have still had enough to keep the ladies happy. It's all good. <laughs> See, I fucking knew it. <laughs> Pedigree chum. <laughs> no, but... All these social media networks, and so Martin, you're right. Like, we should all stop at Instagram. Like, if anyone's over 27 and they're fucking around on TikTok, Snapchat. 
Hey, hey. That's not that's, for me. That's, that's on the list as well. Snapchat. No, so, no so, so Snapchat's this really weird app that doesn't really have an age, but it has a really clear purpose. And it is, it must be the world's largest repository for nudes. Like, nudes. And Snapchat was a place I learned that you can get an hour of sex with attractive females for 80 quid. How much? 80 quid an hour. Is that good or bad? I don't know. Uh, listen, the chick sent me a picture, man. Like, I was like, that's 80 quid an hour. And I, yo, my response was, you can't buy a boxing ticket for 80 quid. Like, I was like, fucking hell. 80, mate. If you, uh, I would suggest that, that means you think it's good. <laughs> mate, I, I, it's, not something I I'd choose. Know going right. It looks what well, mate. Well, just does it, 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 does, it, does it matter? Would you would you pay that? That's the first yes. thing, isn't it? Wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Abs absolutely. I have a wife that listens to this podcast. Oh no, no. But I'll, I'm happy to answer this question. If you're asking me right mm -hmm. now, would I pay eighty quid to to bang well, whoever? Whoever. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's this, right? I've yeah, I, I work in London. I could swing by if you want. Mate, mate, there'll be spare minutes. Feel free. There'll be spare minutes, I promise you. Take it through the letterbox. Take it through the letterbox, right? <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, it is. Because like, I remember when I, when I first started working and it was a big deal for people to, to fuck off to brass houses for 300 quid an hour, which isn't really my thing. I, there's something seedy about fucking going in there after a taxi driver's just shot his load. It's not really my thing at all. But I remember when I was coming up, it was 300 quid an hour for your bog-standard Eastern European, right? <laughs> the yellow, yellow pages of fucking hookers in London. <laughs> audible version. Mate, mate. Were they, were so, they taken out of uh, phone boxes? Nah, that's just, come on, man, there's the internet now. <laughs> Mine, come on. Uh, okay. I wasn't sure what era we're talking. No, no. So, so now, now it's eighty quid an hour, and you just have to go on Instagram, get migrated onto the Snapchat, and then you're like, what? Eighty quid an hour? Okay, cool. Like, I'm like, I'll bring a hundred, man. Keep the twenties a tip, whatever. Because some. <laughs> But basically, basically, that that is all my Instagram is. So my Instagram splits into no, no, no. Instagram is 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 I've got a boxing lane, right? Where like a lot of boxing chat happens. Then there's kind of the the chicks that want to migrate you onto a an OnlyFans platform, a fanwise or Patreon platform. That's what they want to do. They're like, come on, man, are you sure you don't want to subscribe? I'm like, no. And then you've kind of got everything else in the third lane, but you don't even get to that point because there's so much going on in the first two. Mate, that's my problem, man. I get in too deep with some of these things. You know, once, once it's like, you know when you go on YouTube and you start on one video, yeah? And you end up, yeah. you, start, you start off watching an Eddie Hearn IFL interview, you end up on Zeitgeist or something. Like, and you're like, how did, how did I get here? And that's my Instagram life. I'm like, how the fuck did I get into this conversation? And then you end up with your name in Jeffrey Epstein's book and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and he ends up paying women 
20 quid because they love it when they get the tip. Just a tip. <laughs> but no, so back, back to the point. No one over 27 should be fucking around on TikTok, man. Like, stop it. Yeah, I mean, that took a weird winding path, but yeah, I agree. Right, are we done? Are we, are we sorted? Are we finished? Man, I'm good. I've got some ribs slow cooking in the oven, so I've got to go and deal with those. Monsieur Theobald? I'm just going for a piss. I'll be back in a sec. Oh, excellent. <laughs> he timed it well. Well, we're... Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm certainly done. I'm looking forward to eating some food when I get downstairs. Same as you, Mr. Terry. Hello? Martin's complaining. Uh, we're, well, we're wrapping up, basically, Martin. So <laughs> we're just waiting for you to finish your massive piss and then you can come back and wrap up with us. Speaking of wraps, should we do a wrap about injustice that you took about a minute ago? <laughs> no? No. <laughs> Mate, I'm I'm just hungry as hell now, man. I, now that you said that sticky toffee pudding, I, I feel like an apple strudel, but I've got no fucking custard. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I wasn't bored. <laughs> Andy, you, you literally... Andy, you were talking about eating. You only ate before we came on, which is why we recorded an hour after we meant to. That is, that is true, but... You know, I like you know what Terry said? Terry said about two and a half hours ago about how people just eat because it's gluttonous. <laughs> oh, reconnecting, is he? Yeah, it makes sense. Right, I, right, it's right. So go on, you said Terry said about an hour ago, people eat because it's gluttonous and because it's easy. You ate, yeah. like, before we started doing this. <laughs> well, what do you want me to tell you? It's gluttonous and it's easy. <laughs> Right, are we done? OnlyFans Snapchat account. I'm about to go and cruise uh, Terry's OnlyFans account uh, whilst eating some sticky toffee pudding. Wow. <laughs> that is a combination. Of Absolute winner. <laughs> Absolute winner. <laughs> There's pictures of Terry carrying a fireman. Well, you've got to guess if it's a fireman's hose or his junk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to go and watch the last episode of Afterlife uh, oh, series. You, you guys have got to... Got yep. to what, Andy? What? We've got, got to what? You've got to watch Gangs of London. Okay, I will do. But you've well, got to sort your Wi-Fi out. Yeah, I, I know. I think it's actually my phone. My phone's shit, and it keeps dropping off the Wi-Fi, so I'll, I promise I'll, I'll sort it out. For our next podcast, which we can we can do, we'll be doing tomorrow night. No, no we won't be. But um, we, could, we could do sooner than we've done the last one, I guess. Well, let's see how we get on. Um, Terry, please do keep putting out your uh, your high-field boxing one, man, because it fucking keeps me going. <laughs> <laughs> I have it. No pressure. No, it does. It does. It's uh, it's awesome. Well, Terry, and I will keep re- I will keep retweeting your uh, your content, Terry, because I'm nah. one of the ones that engage you. Nah, thank you. But also answer the question. You know, what's going on with the numbers? 
No, you asked me that question the other day and I answered it. I can't remember the answer. No, you asked me on uh, Twitter what was the median and what was the mean. Of, oh. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so hey, now, because I, I, I know, no, I know you and Tebbit are pals, man. So, you know what I mean? Ask him, go, mate. Why do you outsource the jimming of your numbers to someone that doesn't know shit about boxing? You might as well just do it yourself. Because at least then, the numbers would tally with the videos we expect to get boosted. Not John Fury's caravan tour. I am friends with Tebbit. I am friends with Tebbit, and I'm not going to get involved in the middle of the Teb. <laughs> hey, now you're a boxing fan, though, man. The secret of truth and justice. We just want to know. The secret of truth and justice. So when you tweeted me the other day saying... <laughs> pictures of what the boxing social um, numbers were on some of their videos. I don't know if you saw this, Andy, but he tweets me the other day saying, I'm going to refer this to like the, the knowledge of numbers or something like that yeah. to Martin. What are the median of these two videos? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I just sent him back a tweet with the video of Pretty Patel saying like 406,000, 400,000 and 4,000 <laughs> she's, she's probably doing Tebbit's numbers for him <laughs> uh, that is very rapid yes I'm delayed it because I've not got any food in the oven, so I think you're a shit. <laughs> well, you've got loads, you've got beef and drink. I have, but I've still got plenty more with me. My bag of doom's got one left in it. So. A bag of doom? Right, well, I'm, well, I'm going. I, I am going. Okay, no, no, no. You've got to wrap it up, though, Andy. Well, uh, okay. <clears throat> but did we discuss about the uh, MTK stuff? I'm pro MTK. I think they do wonders for boxing. I'm looking forward to see how they bounce back from the lockdown. I want to see uh, more with Daniel Kinnahan, please. I don't know who that if is. Anyone, and maybe it's best for me that I don't. If anyone ever questioned me over something I'd said, I think I'd be like, do you, do you know that I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, <laughs> that is one of the benefits of not having a fucking clue about anything that we talk about. Blissful ignorance. No, all I'm saying is I'm a big fan of a person who had nothing to do with boxing after 2017. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, thank you very much for listening. I will edit this down to some, some something regarding listenable, I think, I hope, anyway. Uh, I'll try and get it out tomorrow, I think, probably. Um, well, that's going to mean anything when they listen, is it, Andy? Yeah, no, that's true enough. That's true enough. All right, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, goodbye from me. Goodbye from Martin. Take care. Stay and I look forward to the day when we can all actually get together again for a face-to-face extravaganza yeah. coronavirus goodbye podcast. Let's organise a booze up somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I'm in. Indeed. I'm 100% in. All right. Bye, gents. Thank you very much. Cheers. Take care, boys. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.